0: hello i'm nick and today finally tori and i are going to discuss ghostbusters not that ghostbusters this ghostbusters join us Busters was released on July 15th, 2016 in the United States, although it had been previously shown on July 9th, 2016 at TCL Chinese Theater, formerly Grauman's Chinese Theater, which was formerly Mann's Chinese Theater, which was formerly Grauman's Chinese Theater. It's complicated. Anyway, the film was directed by Paul Feig, and it was written by Katie Dippold and Paul Feig. So he co-wrote it as well as directing it. It is based on Ghostbusters, which is weird because this is Ghostbusters, strange, by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters has five main leads. Mm -hmm. Melissa McCarthy as Dr. Abigail Yates. McCarthy is a month and 16 days younger than me and will reportedly be playing Ursula in the 2023 version of The Little Mermaid. I honestly know her name, and that's about it. So Tori may have some more info.
1: Yeah, I didn't know she was in The Little Mermaid. That's exciting. I I saw
0: it on the internet. I don't know if it's true.
1: Sounds true. Also, I think it was on her IMDb page. I tend not to like the Disney live-action remakes. I don't know, but I might watch this one. We'll see. I first encountered McCarthy as Suki St. James in The Gilmore Girls.
0: A.K.A. The Little Big Headed Girl Show.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. She plays Lorelai's best friend Suki, who's a chef. She's a fat woman on this show who has, like, a romantic partner and a romantic story arc and, like, gets a happy ending. So, that's cool. I like Is it. Is that I the mom?
0: Lorelai?
1: Lorelai's the mom. And then Rory's okay. the daughter, who's also named Lorelai, but goes by Rory. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's also been in movies like Bridesmaids, Tammy, and Spy. She was an SNL cast member in 2017 to 2018. And she apparently appears with Chris Hemsworth in Thor Love and Thunder, which I haven't seen yet.
0: Me neither, even though I really wanted to see it, but I wasn't going to go to a theater. I mean, I saw Ragnarok like four times in the theater, but that was before (laughs) there was a plague. So,
1: yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So I'll have to do that at some point.
0: Yeah. Our second league is Kristen Wiig as Dr. Aaron Gilbert. Wig is three years, one month, and 12 days younger than me, and played Ruth Bugs in Paul, and she also mm-hmm. played Cheetah in Wonder Woman 1984. I've seen one of those, but speaking of 1984, that's when Kate McKinnon, who plays Dr. Jillian Holtzman, was born. Also, it was when the original Ghostbusters relieved. In fact, she was born on the day it was released.
1: Oh, that's fake. Actually, she
0: wasn't. I lied, but she was born oh. in 1984. So McKinnon was a Saturday Night Live character. Gotcha. She was a Saturday Night Live cast member from 2012 to 2022. As we record this, which is mid-October 2022, she is Saturday Night Live's longest tenured female cast member. But she will be surpassed by cast member Cicely Strong, who also appears in this movie when Strong returns to Saturday Night Live in 2022. McKinnon is known for her character work and celebrity impressions, including Justin Bieber, Ellen DeGeneres, Hillary Clinton, Kellyanne Conway, Elizabeth Warren, Lindsey Graham, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Robert Moeller, Angela Merkel, Rudy Giuliani, and Jillian Anderson. Nice.
1: Yeah. Kate McKinnon is also a lesbian who refers to her cat as her son. So I love her.
0: Yeah. According to Wikipedia, she jokingly refers to her cat as her son. So in this case, we will assume that Wikipedia is a lying bastard. So
1: I mean, in interviews, I think people understand that it's not really her son. But like, I mean, my cat
0: is my son and I will fight you if you say he's not.
1: So my cats are my sons, too. So, yeah, I appreciate it.
0: Cast member number four is Leslie Jones as Patricia Patty Tolan. Jones was born on September 7, 1967, making her a little less than three years older than me. Among her other film and television credits, Jones is a stand-up comedian and was a Saturday Night Live writer and cast member from 2014 to 2019. She was a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race in 2020 and appeared in 2021's Coming to America, for which she won the MTV Movie Award for Best Comedic Performance.
1: She also hosted the 2020 version of Supermarket Sweep.
0: And I intentionally left it out because really.
1: Yeah, no, I love that show. I love Supermarket Sweep.
0: Okay, Mm. we're we're talking about this. We're taking we're taking a break and we're talking about this. So, okay, I have never seen Supermarket Sweep. However, here is This is what I'm thinking Supermarket Sweep is. Is it basically a new version of the show where people go into the store, have like 60 or 30 minutes to buy a bunch of shit, and then they get like awarded by like how much they bought and they win a prize or something? Is that what the show is?
1: So the show is based on the original, which was not it's not exactly that. There is a bunch of trivia questions about how stuff like much stuff costs, about like products and stuff. So yes, it's very capitalism product placement heavy. Um, And then in the last like five minutes, they do like a sweep run where you have to run through the store. You have like a minute because you earn time throughout the show as you answer questions. So you can extend your sweep time. So I was
0: thinking the end of the show is the whole show. Okay. Yeah. So
1: you so like most people, I think you start with like one minute and you can earn. So like if you end up with like four minutes, you have a lot of time to throw stuff in your carts. Uh And basically the person with the highest total at the end wins. So you go for the expensive stuff. There's some bonuses around. It's not a great show conceptually. No, it sounds like
0: putting homeless people in like an air bubble full of money is what it sounds like, but I guess not. But
1: I was a sick kid a lot, and I watched Supermarket Sweep when I was homesick from school, so I think it just has a special place in my heart. And Leslie Jones is so funny and personable. I would watch anything she hosted just because she's just so great to watch, and she's so hilarious. And she genuinely likes the people and just seems like, I don't know, she's one of those game show hosts that like... Seems to care and wants people to win, and so I just I don't know. I really love that energy. I think it's good.
0: Okay. All right. Well, we know how I feel about reality TV, and I guess yes. this is slightly different to this game show, although game, shows it's and a reality game TV show it's a game show. Kind of eh,
1: the line blurred. I blurs. think it's a different thing. It's a yeah. Different thing. But
0: yeah. yeah. So okay. I just like I said, I intentionally left that out for a reason. But no, yeah, but I watched the in, whole
1: thing. I watched and your whole. So I was like, okay, it. we it need to Netflix. we need to talk
0: about this. So mm-hmm. okay, I'm yeah. glad we I'm glad we worked this out. All right. And then our fifth lead. Because remember, we had one, two, three, four. Our fifth is Chris Hemsworth as Kevin Beckman. If you don't know who Chris Hemsworth is, he's fucking Thor. And he's about nine months younger than Tori, which she yeah, had. I can't
1: believe I'm older than Thor.
0: Existential Jesus. issue about when I told her okay. that. So.
1: <laughs> I'm just at the age now where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm older than that person. You've got to be kidding.
0: So then I reminded her <laughs> to make her feel better. That Hugh Jackman is two years older than me, which makes (laughs) me feel like shit because he's older than me and looks like Hugh Jackman. So, yeah. Mm, Okay.
1: yeah, Fair. Fair.
0: I think I would rather be older than someone who looks really good than younger than someone who looks really good personally. So
1: (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. We will discuss anyone else we think merits it as they come up in the movie. So we will be discussing some other people. But, you know. This can get tedious. We want to get to the movie. So the running times of Ghostbusters in the theater, it ran for one hour and 56 minutes, which is 116 minutes. The extended DVD cut was two hours and 14 minutes. They added 18 minutes to it. And that is 134 minutes. If you're doing that kind of math. This is the version that our summary is based on the extended DVD cut, although I did watch both, and Tori has seen both. And so, we do have some notes on the comparisons between the two. So, I think this is the first time we've ever done that. So,
1: yeah, well, I saw this movie in theaters, and then I bought the digital movie when it came out, which was the extended version. But I have also then again seen the theatrical version on TV and stuff. So, I've seen both a couple times. Yeah,
0: I stole the extended version from BitTorrent, and then I paid that. $2.99. To watch the theatrical version on Amazon. So, <laughs> all
1: right. Well, I own it, so we're good. Yes, we're good. Also, I we're have, fine. I have the Holtzman action figure. I have the Lego Ecto One set from this movie. And even though it's not official merchandise, I have Holtzman's necklace with the U and the screw. <gasps> in it.
0: Yeah, Whoa! Cool. I. Mm. I've been looking for one of those necklaces because I want one um, after seeing this movie. I has I saw some different versions of it, and some I were very unimpressed with. Uh, no judgment. Is yours – because I've seen some where they're kind of using like a key ring as the circle.
1: No, it's big. It's as okay. big as hers, and it's, it's very – it looks like a replica from the movie. It's very well done.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. Because I have it's, found it's some – awesome. Reputable ones, which are a little expensive, but I've also seen some that are, you know, reasonably priced. But you can tell that just from the picture. What they did was they took, they took like a key ring, right? Like you know, the kind that uh-huh. you, you know, you slide the key in. And I mean, it's the right size because you those come in different sizes. Right. But they basically put like the screw through the key ring thing, so they didn't have to like you know, it's not like a like a solid ring where the screw is drilled through it and then have the U on it. And so, like, no. it's similar, but it's not exact. So.
1: No, mine's yeah. pretty, pretty solid. I'll put a picture of it. I love it. It's one of my favorite things.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I might so. be a bit of a Holtzman fangirl. I'm sorry. Just a little. Just like I love Egon, I also love Holtzman gonna a lot. I was going to
0: say, yeah, I think we'll talk about that a little bit at the end.
1: hmm
0: So before we begin, I would like to say something, and I may have sort of expressed it a little bit already. But then I will shut up for at least probably 10 seconds and uh, let Tori (laughs) talk. But I fucking love this movie. And in fact, I think it might be my favorite Ghostbusters
1: movie. (gasps) That's crazy.
0: Yes. I think if I was made to choose only one, I might
1: choose this one. I don't know that I could choose between this and the 84 one, I gotta say. Like, well, if you, I had think to, both...
0: if you had to, if I had to...
1: Gun to my I head? To
0: I have seen I this know. movie five times in the last week. Oh
1: movie. my god. I love it. I'm so glad, though, because like I was so nervous. Because the one thing about this movie is it is... It embraces the the humor and the silliness, which Ghostbusters should be funny. I'm not saying it shouldn't, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, I think there are some. You know, I think I understand why people didn't like it. Some people, people who didn't like it for legitimate reasons. I have friends who don't like it for legitimate reasons, and by legitimate, I mean just like you can't just not like it because the cast has a lot of women in it. That's not a legitimate yeah. reason.
0: <laughs> there are there are things that I would change oh, yeah. about this movie.
1: And there are probably
0: more things about this movie that I would change than the original Ghostbusters, but I legit think that if I could only, like, if so, if I was captured by aliens and they were like, (laughs) we're going to erase your brain of all Ghostbusters knowledge except for one, (laughs) I would probably choose this one to keep.
1: Wow. That's, I'm amazed actually, because I'm not even sure. I could make that statement right now. I would be very torn.
0: Well, what I did was I put myself in the state of if, because obviously Ghostbusters came out in 1984. I saw it when it came out. I've lived with it for almost 40 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. This one I experienced a week ago. And I'm like, if you flipped that, I'm not sure I would feel the same way about the other Ghostbusters. As I feel oh. about this Ghostbusters.
1: Interesting.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to think on that for a bit because I don't I don't know. I just I feel like they're both so Also I
0: have enough other Bill in Murray heart. in my head to yeah, Bill do the job. Great. So yeah, no, I fucking love this movie.
1: I do too. And like unironically, and people are always like, Oh, I wish that one would have been better. I'm like, fuck you, it's amazing. So. It is. <laughs> So I mean, people like. I realize it has problems and it's not perfect, but the only reason it didn't get a sequel is because of assholes who like downvoted it and rated it badly, and was you know put up a whole ab- and they abused Leslie Jones. on It Twitter. is a they completely cast,
0: different type but... of movie.
1: Yes, it is. It's not. It's not following the beats of the other one. I mean, they're no. they're and the it's, heart and I don't, soul is and there. I but... Also,
0: don't think we talked about in Ghostbusters how I think Ghostbusters is just. It's just a really well made movie yes
1: so good this one
0: i don't i don't think this one is as well made honestly but Mm -hmm. i fucking love this movie oh my god i love this movie
1: all right well now that we've had our little love fest about it everyone knows how we feel so if you hate it and you don't want to hear us talk about how it's good you can just click off if you do
0: not want to hear (laughs) nick embrace the 13 year old (laughs) lesbian girl that lives inside of him then you need to turn this off right now So, okay, (laughs) where we're going, that is where we are going. And I was going to save this for the end. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Also, I dropped this bomb on Tori earlier just by saying like, I'm going to drop a bomb. And she was like, I don't know if I can make it through this whole thing without you telling me what was going on. So.
1: Yeah. I have anxiety. It's like when someone tells me they need to talk or, you know, can we, can we sync up for a few minutes or can we talk? Or, and I'm just like, my brain will spiral out to the worst case scenarios pretty much immediately. So the sooner I can find out what's going on, no. the better. Anxiety if anything
0: was going to happen here is Tori and I are going <laughs> to fight about who loves this movie fucking more is what's going to happen. So oh, there you go.
1: <laughs> go get my Holtzman necklace and <laughs> wear it for protection. uh. <laughs> Through you. Anyway, Anyway. so this movie opens up, and there's a tour guide, and he's giving a tour of the Aldridge Mansion and Museum. And he talks about Aldridge's daughter, who possibly committed these horrible murders like murdered the entire house staff overnight. And then how she was locked in the basement, and her, her body was found by the next owners of the house. And so she is possibly haunting the house. And like a candlestick falls off the table and everyone's like, (gasps) and he's like, yeah, okay, let's leave. Uh, Just avoid that basement door. But later he's closing up for the night and he resets the candlestick, which we learn is a prop. It's like a little device that he can hit a button and it, it flies off the table. So it's, there's no real ghost. And then under a table, there's this device that is glowing and he doesn't see it. So he's starting to leave and then weird stuff starts happening And there's like these paranormal things, and he gets kind of scared and he tries to run for the door. But when he grabs the door handle, it like burns his hand. So then he like turns and runs the other way and he tries to throw a chair, but the chair like floats in midair and doesn't work. He can't break the window that way. And he notices the basement door that was formerly locked up is open and he just like automatically sees an open door and runs. And it's the minute he runs into the basement. He looks down, and the bottom of the basement is covered in this like green slime, and it's like coming up in the basement. And he's just like, Oh, Garrett, you idiot, because he ran into the basement, which is not a way out. So that was not a good choice. And then this green slime and spectral energy surrounds him, and the Ghostbusters theme starts.
0: Ghostbusters.
1: And then we get the word Ghostbusters on the title screen. Mm -hmm. So then we go to Columbia University where Dr. Erin Gilbert is up for tenure. And she is going to lecture in the big hall today. So she's in the big hall and she's preparing her class. She's like getting things set up, kind of, you know, practicing what she's going to say. And she's approached by this man who's the historian at the Aldridge Mansion. And he thinks she can help because he has a copy of her book, and she's like, "Um, what book? I don't, I don't know what you're you're talking about. What book? I didn't write a book." And he's like, "This book," and he holds it up and he's like, "This isn't your book." And he like opens it up and it's it's called Ghosts of Our Past, and there's a picture of her in it. She does look much younger, but he's looking at it and he's going, "This really looks like you." And she's like, "Oh yeah, that was a joke." And then he opens up the first page and the first words of the book are like, "This is not a joke." So anyway, he wants her help because the Aldridge mansion is haunted and he thinks that maybe because of her book, she can help him.
0: Yeah. So I wrote the summary for this movie because I watched it and loved it. And funnily enough, I skipped over the entire extended scene in the summary because there is an extended scene in this one where she meets like people like before she goes to her class, she's meeting Mm -hmm. with some people and talking that kind of stuff. And I skipped it. I do think in the context of the movie, it actually works better with it because jumping right to her being in the big hall kind of doesn't give you enough. There's also a few dialogue edits in the big hall. Funnily enough, she mentions about how, like, that must be another Aaron Gilbert, one who likes books with long titles. And we had (laughs) mentioned books with long titles in our previous Ghostbusters episode with Deborah Bloom. So it was kind of funny. Yeah. That was a nice link. So, also, remember Deborah Bloom she wrote for the Resno B, and her big story was about selenium poisoning and what metal is being used to build the Ghostbusters stuff in the original movie? Selenium. Selenium.
1: Yeah, yeah. Connections. Kind of spooky, connections. Kind
0: of spooky. So later in her office, Erin confirms that the book she wrote many years ago with her childhood friend, Dr. Abigail Yates, has indeed been published without her knowledge, and is available on Amazon.
1: Abby has self-published the book on Amazon in hard copy and in Kindle. So,
0: Yeah, and apparently audiobook. Yeah. I'm wondering if Abby reads it or someone else does. I don't know. The book details their history of paranormal investigation, which Aaron has clearly now abandoned for real science. Mm -hmm. so and she's looking at it and then like the head guy like the college like the columbia president or something comes in talking about her tenure and how you know she needs a better letter than someone from yale because yale it's not a great school so Mm -hmm. anyway and then when he leaves there's a bust on a pedestal in the hallway that looks suspiciously like egon spangler harold Ramis.
1: Because obviously Harold Ramis was not alive when this was filmed. Yes, because so he, he passed in. He was unable to do a cameo, so yeah. they put his bus there, which I thought was sweet. I like seeing it. Yeah. So Aaron tracks Abby down at the Kenneth P. Higgins Institute of Science, and she goes into her office. The office door does have a little note about not writing things on the door, which I think is a nod to the first movie. I thought that was cute.
0: Yeah the the note is like printed and it says, "Do not write things on this door." And someone has written the word dumb, so it says (laughs) do not write dumb things on this door.
1: (laughs) So anyway, people probably graffiti their door a lot. And it turns out that Abby has continued her work on the paranormal, and she's now working with engineering physicist Dr. Jillian Holtzman. So they have a less than friendly reunion. Um, Abby's not excited to see her. She actually thinks that she is bringing her lunch uh, which she obviously is not, but then the delivery guy, Benny does come in behind mm-hmm. her. And so there's this confusion and there's a whole running joke about this delivery guy and the restaurant's inability to give her a good ratio of wontons to soup. So that's a whole thing yeah.
0: or other things to soup too. Yeah. I felt bad about leaving Benny out. I do name check Benny later. I felt bad about leaving him out early in the episode.
1: Well, but, I will yeah. bring him in because I love Benny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love his little end credit scene. Yeah. Which they could not the theatrical version. They edited it, which I think they edited out the best part. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Sorry.
1: Okay. Yeah. I haven't, like, I've seen the extended version more because that's the version that I own. So, obviously, I've watched that one a lot more. So, I don't really, I remember a couple of the differences, but not a ton of them.
0: Yeah, there are some – some of them are very subtle, and some of them are like, what the fuck were you thinking? A lot of that may have been they were trying to keep it down to a certain time possibly, I think. I think they were trying to keep it down
1: and cut the – what they – you know, there's some – yeah. But I I think you're right with that first scene. We learn that Erin is kind of awkward, and she's struggling Mm -hmm. to fit in. She's not just a normal academic who's, like, flourishing. She's having trouble really, like, fitting into that crowd, and I think that's an important part of her character. I think it
0: also – Like it helps to bond you to Aaron a little bit, because when she's in that, you're like, I would not want to be around these people. Oh, my
1: God. Uh So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So anyway, after a less than friendly reunion, Aaron finally like is trying to talk Abby into, you know, taking the book down. And Abby's like, but it's a whole stream of revenue for me. And then Abby's like, well, how did you even know about the book? Are you, like, searching yourself online or whatever? And she's like, no, this guy came to me about this potential haunting at the Aldridge Mansion, and he had a copy. So Abby and Holtzman are, like, haunting, and so they decide to head out and investigate this haunting, and (laughs) they leave, and they have to get Aaron out of the office. They're like, come on, and she's like, I'm not going with you, and they're like, no, no, we we need to lock the office, so we need you out of here. (laughs) Yeah. So they end up heading to the Aldridge Mansion. They convince Aaron to go with them because they want her to introduce them to the man who came to see her. And then Abby agrees that if she does that, she'll take down the book. Yeah. Or she'll consider taking down the book, at least. So at the Aldridge Mansion and Museum, they encounter both the tour guide and the historian who are standing across the street, not willing to go over into the mansion anymore. They have a little discussion about his paranormal experience. And then they go into the mansion and inside, they encounter some weird stuff, like that basement door is locked super tight, but then after they walk past it, it opens, and Aaron steps in some ectoplasm, and she thinks this whole thing is like a prank, because Abby and Holtzman have been pranking her the whole time, so she thinks that they're just kind of messing with her. But then Abby and Holtzman see the door open, and there's this blue glow, and this gorgeous... Ghost in this Victorian-style dress like flies up in front of them, and so they see the ghost. And Aaron goes up to like say something to her, and she's just like, "Oh my god!" Like Abby's just freaking out about how beautiful the ghost is. And Aaron gets really close and starts talking, and the ghost and they're filming the whole thing. They are. They're filming it. They have a little camcorder, and the ghost spews ectoplasm all over Aaron, and then disappears. Yep. But obviously, you know, as they, they run outside and they have this on video and Aaron is just freaking out, she's like, ghosts are real. Ghosts are real. I believe in ghosts. And she's covered in ectoplasm and uh, is is still on film.
0: Yeah. The big change here, which I guess isn't necessarily a big change, is there's a slight dialogue change because when Holtzman is eating the Pringles, I don't think they're technically Pringles, but in the extended version. Aaron is like, You're eating chips right now. And she's like, Once you pop, you know, because the, the Pringles logo, once you pop, you can't stop. In the theatrical version, she says, which is clunky, and I'm glad they changed it. She's like, I can't resist these salty parabolas. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> okay, that's science y, but it's not as once you pop, that's better.
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, a video of the slimed Aaron proclaiming that, Go surreal! Results in her being fired from Columbia University. Thus, not getting tenure. And then she shows up at the lab at first angry, but then they talk and they're like, well, you can join me and Holtzman working at this. You know, Abby talks to her. So they go to meet the dean to introduce Aaron and to request more funding because now they've got like some stuff, right? They can definitely get some more money. And that actually results in them being fired because no one even knew their department was still active. And they don't Mm -hmm. want ghosts besmirching the fine credentials of the Kenneth P. Higgins Institute of Science, which is (laughs) not a fine institute. But yes, when Aaron is fired, there's an extended hallway scene in the extended version of her leaving. I think somewhere in between the one in the theatrical version is super short. The one Mm -hmm. in the extended version is super long. And I think somewhere in between it would have been better. Also, in the theatrical version. They cut out when she comes into the lab. She's really angry because she got fired. And then, like, they talk and she settles down and they decide for a joint. They cut the whole angry part. And she's just talking to Abby and they're deciding that she's going to work with them. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting.
0: Because she almost throws something that we will talk about later. That oh, would yeah. be bad <laughs> if she did. So yes. Yeah.
1: So they leave the Kenneth B. Higgins Institute of Science with their equipment, which actually, as they're leaving, Aaron realizes was not actually theirs, and they're stealing it. And they decide to set up their own research facility. Mm -hmm. So they need to find a place to work. Meanwhile, we see outgoing Metropolitan Transportation Authority employee Patricia Tolan, and she's in a booth, and she's happily greeting patrons who are there to ride the subway, and they pretty much ignore her. You know, she's like, hey, how's it going? Love your jacket. And people just like walk by. They just completely don't pay attention. Except one creepy guy who like walks up to her booth and he's like, they aren't worth your attention. And she's like, oh, well, you know, thanks. He's like, when the fourth cataclysm comes, service workers like yourself will be the last led to the slaughter. So make the most of your extra time. (laughs) And she's just like, okay, thanks a lot. You're... You You're enjoy creepy. your crazy
0: self. Have a good day.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. She's like, all right, then. Thanks for that, I guess. So then she's like watching on the camera to kind of see which train he's taking, like, where he's going. And so she sees the guy who will learn is Rowan north. And instead of getting on a train, he actually slips onto the tracks and into the tunnel. So she goes into the subway to locate him. She's like, oh, man, you know, apparently this probably happens frequently. And so, in the subway tunnel, she doesn't find him, but she does find this glowing device that is similar to the one we saw under the table at the Aldridge Mansion. Mm. And the device explodes with this strange electric energy. And then, Patty encounters the floating full-body apparition of a convict who's like strapped into an electric chair. And he comes toward her. And we see that Rowan is secretly watching in the tunnel, and she drops her flashlight, and she flees from the ghost, which is a fair reaction.
0: Yeah. I don't think he's actually – he's not actually in a chair. He's standing, but he he's was. Well, he's,
1: like, in the straps. Yeah. Like, he's got the thing yeah. on his head, and he's got, like, yeah, the straps not, around him, kind he's not of. not in
0: the chair. Whereas in Ghostbusters 2,
1: yes. we also
0: get some ghosts who were fried in electric chair, but they're actually in their electric chairs when they first appear. Yes. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. This guy just looks like he's been strapped in. Yeah, he's in the, the little stripy prisoner
0: uniform. It's a really good effect because, like, he's translucent. So, like, you you can kind of see through his uniform, and you can like see skeleton under there. And it's it's really they did a good job. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, I think the ghost effects in this are very good. And I mean, I like the ones in the original movies too. It's just that obviously the technology has come a longer way. So yeah, that's thirty two years
0: later. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you yeah, would hope. So yeah,
1: yeah, you would. So later we see Rowan at work and it turns out he's the maintenance guy slash Porter at the Mercado hotel. And he has a work area in the basement where he speaks to these spirits that are writhing in the mirrors. And he's Mm -hmm. talking to them about how he's not a fan of humanity and the spirits will soon be free. We also see he has a lot of physics degrees and awards on the wall. Very Mm -hmm. similar to the ones Aaron had in her office
0: yeah which you're wondering like hmm. why is he working like at a hotel he's got all these degrees but yeah
1: because he wants the workspace in the basement mm. or okay. maybe there's another reason related maybe. to the location of the hotel that we'll find out later
0: or just because he mm, has issues with people so that
1: yeah. that too that's also possible yeah. So while well, they're looking for a place to set up shop, Abby, Aaron, and Holtzman go with a realtor to a super sweet firehouse mm-hmm. that does not look at all familiar. That would be a great place for people who hunt ghosts to work out of. Yeah. But unfortunately, the rent and it's is not like, even all
0: dusty or run down. It looks no, really it's fantastic. in good
1: shape. Yeah. Yeah, and the rent is like twenty one thousand dollars a month, and Aaron's like, yeah. "Who can afford that?" And so um the real estate agent. Ends up finding them a place above a Chinese restaurant, so it's like the second floor of the Chinese restaurant that I guess the restaurant is no longer using, and is apparently much more affordable. Yeah, and they decide to call their business Conductors of the Metaphysical Examination.
0: They're not good at naming things.
1: No, they're really no, not and they like long names.
0: They really do. Yeah, <laughs> They've despite got that her science, despite, despite her very very yeah. Well, I think
1: she was joking, right? Because their book has oh, a long name. That's has, true like, that because subtitle. they did name that.
0: yeah. So
1: I, I, that's sort of the joke is that she's like, oh, no, I would never name a book that. But obviously she did. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: And the real estate agent is played by co-writer Katie Dippold.
1: Oh, cool. I did not know that.
0: Yeah. So while they're setting up their new digs, Kevin Beckman arrives answering an advert for a receptionist. He is gorgeous and he is dumb as a stump. And so they hire him. <laughs> Oh,
1: Erin really likes him. She has a big crush on him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I like how this is sort of similar to like Vankman and Dana, but obviously it's in, it's done in a totally different way, which I appreciate. So, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because while they're interviewing him, Abby is just like she wouldn't say something like that because she did and that would be illegal. <laughs> just, yeah. just like,
1: well, he's just like questions. Are, you know, are you with someone or something? And like Abby's yeah. like, no, we can't, we can't ask that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Holtzman seems very intrigued by him just because he is. Yeah, she's like, is that a big old robot? <laughs> so
1: yeah, yeah. She's interested in just how his mind works. I think. Yeah,
0: because it doesn't work great, not at no. all. <laughs> no, and he possibly had either he's. Again, dumb as a stump or he has synesthesia because something's really loud and he covers his eyes. And Uh so, yeah. And also he wears glasses with no lenses because they kept getting dirty. So he just removed them so he could like scratch his eye without the lenses getting in the way. So, yeah. Again, dumb as a stump, but gorgeous. So Kevin Mm -hmm. leaves to get his stuff, I guess because he's going to live there. I don't know why he's getting his stuff.
1: I think they're all (laughs) living there. (laughs) I think the point is that we're supposed to think they're all living there, but it's confusing because then later Erin goes back to her apartment. So I don't know what the situation
0: is. Yeah, so anyway. (laughs) And then we meet Patty, who has come to tell them about the ghost that she saw in the subway. And Patty is also a walking encyclopedia of New York City history. So, yeah. At the subway station, Patty tells him that this section of the tunnel was built under a former prison where they electrocuted the first prisoners in New York City. And Holtzman photographs some extremely fresh graffiti as a potential logo for their activities as they go into the tunnel. And there's a scene with the graffiti artist who's painting it. And Patty's like, oh, no, don't be doing that. And they kind of encourage him. And he paints the he paints the ghost logo. On the wall. Yeah, well, because so, they're
1: like, "Have you seen a ghost?" And so he like draws the ghost, and then she's like, "Don't do that." And so he like crosses it out. And yeah. Holtzman's like, "Is it me, or was that? Would that be a good logo?" And she takes a photo. Yeah, of photo.
0: I think she says, "Am I on crack, or is that a good logo?" I think they changed that for the extended version. I don't think she says the crack part.
1: I think she different. does. I think she does. Yeah. Or maybe
0: I, I actually, I think I have it backwards. I'm you sorry. might it's have it reversed. Vers- the yeah. actual version, she doesn't say crack. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, sorry. I'm- I've been watching them both back and forth and I'm getting a little few things mixed up. So yeah. That's okay. Also I thought the graffiti artist was Justin Timberlake at first. He is not. Mm, no. So yeah.
1: So the prisoner ghost reappears and they strap Aaron into this prototype proton cannon thing, including with a grounding thing around her neck because Holtzman has been working on it, but is not sure how good it's going to work. And Patty and Abby do the same thing that Egon and Venkman do in the elevator where they, like, step back, even though it's not going to help, like, if it explodes. I just thought that was funny.
0: Yeah. And we should mention that Holtzman, the the whole Proton thing, like, it's in, like, a shopping cart. Like, she's pushing all this equipment (laughs) in the shopping cart the whole time. So very
1: big. It has not been refined at all. It is now. They're literally having to push it on a cart. That's how big it is. Yeah. So Aaron fires the Proton thing at the ghost. But it angers it more than subduing it. And so the four of them flee as the ghost chases them. And then the subway train comes in and they manage to make it to the station platform just in time. But the train does smash their equipment. And it also splatters the specter who ends up on the train. <laughs> so they see him on the train like traveling away and they are all covered in ectoplasm.
0: Yeah. And Patty's like, he is going to be the third scariest thing on that train. So. Yeah.
1: So back at their headquarters, they go over the evidence they collected, including parts of the device that exploded when Patty first saw the ghost. Abby and Aaron realize that it's very similar to much of the equipment that they're using. So it's using the same science. Mm. Then they're surprised to see Patty in the corner booth. She's doing some research on her computer and she has decided to join them. And they kind of try to dissuade her because they're like, well, this isn't a club. This is like, you know, scientific pursuit or whatever. But she makes a strong argument that her historical knowledge will complement their scientific and paranormal knowledge. Also, she can provide a vehicle. And so they go outside and she has this vehicle that she has borrowed from her uncle's business, which turns out to be a black and pink hearse because her uncle runs a mortuary service. Mm -hmm. And there's a really funny scene here where they're like, there's no body in there, right? And she's like, well, I didn't check. I was more worried if it had gas. (laughs) It's like, why wouldn't you check? And Patty's like, well, Holtzman can check. She loves that kind of stuff. And Holtzman says that she can think of seven uses for a cadaver today. And Patty's like, no, Dr. Frankenstein, if there's a body, we have to return it. So, yeah, they basically decide, okay, she can be part of the team because she's providing all this logistical stuff and she has all this historical knowledge. So, yeah. And
0: Holtzman's like, we need a car.
1: Yeah, they really do. So then paranormal shit is starting to happen at the Mercado Hotel. And Rowan has to tell the growing number of spirits in the mirrors to calm down because they're they're causing all these problems and hauntings and like little things in some of the rooms. And he's like, we can't be discovered before we're ready to break the barrier between the worlds. Yeah.
0: And this scene is an additional scene
1: that kind of really
0: adds nothing, except it is good to see the spirit count has increased because when we first see them, there's like one hand on like a mirror. Right. But now we've got multiple mirrors full of specters. So maybe an edit because the other part of the scene is that he stops and sees a tenant who has an issue. Like There's like slime dripping down. And then she says she has a rash that the slime has caused, it dripped on her. And when she turns around, there is a really bad CGI like spirit coming out of her back. Mm -hmm. And so like maybe if they cut that part out and just had him in the basement. That would work because it is nice to see that or maybe use that scene a little, maybe have some more ghosts in the first part. I don't know. But, yeah, it yeah. is an additional scene. And, again, this one, I think they it, it probably was maybe best not to have it. But, like I said, it is nice to see the extra spirits because it's uh-huh. a really good effect with all the spirits, like, behind the mirrors. And they're scary as shit. So, yeah. Yeah. So, in an alley behind their headquarters, Holtzman has decided that they should conduct some tests on the latest version of the proton pack that she's been working on. So Abby is going to test this one. Uh, It still needs a little work because basically you've seen cartoons where like people are holding like fire hoses and they get all over the place. It's this, but with proton energy. So yeah, she's kind of thrown around the alley a little bit. Yeah, still needs a little work. And then we see Rowan and apparently he has decided to attend a heavy metal concert despite his contempt for humanity as a whole. And this scene and the next scene are actually flipped in the theatrical version.
1: oh, interesting. There's, and there's another okay. additional
0: scene. And I think it's because we didn't get the scene with Rowan before, and so they what they do is they do they do the proton check, and then we get the scene right after this one when they're back at the headquarters having some dinner. so okay, and then Rowan is after that. But in this scene, we also get to see. Old ramus's son as the metalhead. He's fucking buff. Mm-hmm. He's the dude's like whoa, yeah. and he like you know, but yeah, he's pretty buff. So
1: also, what's interesting about this scene, like obviously he has ulterior motives. He's not there for the concert, right? But yeah. what's funny is like he's doing that, like what's up, fellow kids, where he's like trying <laughs> yeah. to blend in, and he's talking about, but like people are so nice to him, and I just need to point that out because people are like, yeah, like he high fives him. And, like, as he's walking by, they're just like, Yeah, hey, what? You know, like, no one is rude or like, you don't belong here. I just, I just want to point that out.
0: I do think it's, it's funny, though, because later. he tries, like, when he goes in, like, because it's Hell of stun is the metalhead who, like, high fives and was like, Woo, Yes, Ozzy, you know, that kind of thing. And then when he goes in, he, like, throws up the goats but he actually does it with the thumb out so it's like I love you sign language instead of throwing (laughs) up the and then then the other person like throws up the same thing like they don't do it as the they got the thumb out too so I thought that was kind of funny that they're not actually throwing the goat they're doing like the yeah anyway. so then back at the headquarters over a celebratory dinner of Papa John's Pizza Aaron tells the story of her first encounter with a ghost and of her friendship with Abby so she's talking to Patty and Holtzman
1: and it's such a creepy story though, because it's like the mean old lady next door died and then just kept standing at the foot of her bed for like a year and yeah, no and, one would believe her. And she had to so, have
0: like therapy. And,
1: oh yeah. my god, how horrifying. Like it's a pretty no one believed awful her except story. for Abby. So. Yeah.
0: Because Abby transfer, I can't- Did did she transfer to Abby's school, or did Abby transferred to her school? I think is what. Yeah. Is, right. Yeah. yeah. I think
1: middle yeah. of high school. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But but this happened when she was eight with the ghost. Yeah. So she lived with that for a while before she met Abby. So yes. Yeah. And then Abby comes back because they're like you know they're having dinner and Abby goes away and that's when she tells a story about the the ghost to Patty and Holtzman and then Abby comes back and she's got a photo of a school project they did on the paranormal. And then she actually finds the project, and Abby and Aaron perform this, like, interpretive dance that's part of the project for Patty and Holtzman. And this is an additional scene, the whole thing with Abby finding the photo, and then the project is something that's only in the extended version. I think it is required viewing. It's fucking amazing, (laughs) and I love Holtzman and Patty so much.
1: Holtzman and Patty's reactions are so great because like Holtzman's like, I'm glad you requested this. And Patty's like, I did not. I did not request this. But then at the end, she's like, you got me that last part. It brought me around or whatever. (laughs) You sold on it. So it's just very good.
0: It's Yeah. It's like the two of them are, I love them so much.
1: Mm -hmm. So afterward, they see a news report about their subway encounter because they have posted like a video of the encounter and stuff online. Mm Mm-hmm. And the news report calls them Ghostbusters, which Aaron's like, that's not what we're called. And then the news brings on famed debunker Dr. Martin Heiss. And Aaron is like, oh, God, like, what is he going to say? Because she knows who this guy is. And he says that they are definitely frauds. He is also played by Bill Murray.
0: He is and despite Aaron being like oh god what is he going to say she also is really interested in what he's going to say because she apparently has like high regard for him
1: right because well and he's a famed debunker you have this real paranormal experience so obviously you would hope that he would see it as legitimate because Aaron definitely wants to be seen as legitimate but he does not he thinks it's just another hoax yeah so they end up embracing the term Ghostbusters, especially after Kevin starts using it to answer their phone, because they get a call about a ghost at a heavy metal concert.
0: Yeah, they're watching it and Aaron's like, that's not our name. They can't just do that. They can't just give us a name. And then the phone rings and, and Kevin is all like, Ghostbusters, hello. <laughs> yeah.
1: So he's embraced it. So and he's the one answering the phone. Sorry. So they race out, and Patty has gotten them all these uniforms to keep their clothes from getting slimed. They're like those. Brown jumpsuits with some orange stripes from the MTA, so they are very useful. And then Holtzman shows up in the hearse, but she has repainted it, so it is now white and red, and it has sirens on the top and some other accoutrements. And now it has the ghost logo on the sides as well. Hmm.
0: Yep. Patty's not happy about it.
1: No, because she can't. You can't use <laughs> you can't use a hearse with a ghost painted on it for funerals. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> although, again, I would think the equipment and, like, the sirens and stuff would also be an issue. But in the theatrical version, she just is like, that's inappropriate. And then, like, in the extended version, she talks more about, like, you can't use that for, like, all that kind of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then there's a whole part where when they leave before the hearse pulls up, there's a guy that we see in the two extended scenes previously. So the one before she has her thing in the lecture hall and then in the extended version of her being fired So she goes across the street to talk to him. Aaron does. And then Patty and Abby are discussing his likely dancing prowess, which is funny Mm -hmm. as hell. So Mm -hmm. I think the scene could be cut, but I love the funny part. So I'm not sure how you would do that. And then also the theatrical version cuts out the part where Aaron's trying to get in the Ecto-1 and Holtzman keeps pulling forward. And so she can't grab the door handle, which is hilarious. (laughs) So you're not allowed to cut Holtzman and you're not allowed to cut Patty. That's the rule I'm making. So we got to figure out what to do about the guy. But yeah, well, that's the rule.
1: What's funny about the guy is they cut out all his scenes. So he's one of those people who filmed a movie and then probably did not appear in it at all. And so,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's not, yeah, he's not in the theatrical version at all.
1: Right. So, so it, yeah, he's probably glad that he got back in the extended version because that's kind of suck.
0: I imagine you still get paid. Even oh, no you sure. do,
1: but yeah. still, like, can you imagine spending like all this time working on a movie and like being like, "I'm in this movie," and then you just like aren't in it at all? Because I don't know, if scene. you enjoyed
0: it, then you know it's the, that's what matters. So no, as far as I'm concerned, no. not if you're anyway, an actor. Yes, face on the screen. Whatever actors. Wait, you mean this is not real? <laughs> uh, no,
1: sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway. They arrive fully geared up because I guess they, they they change in the Ecto-1. <laughs> so uh, they arrive fully geared up at the concert and are led to the back of the house, which is actually the below of the house because it's in the basement. And then they split up to find the apparition. And Abby finds an intact and functioning device. And then Patty is chased by a possessed mannequin. And Tori has a note here that she loves the scene. Well, actually, Tori, I'll let you say it because then I have something to say, too.
1: Okay. Well just the, so when she goes into the mannequin room, she's kind of like nope, and like turns around and leaves. And then the mannequin follows her and she turns around and sees it and she's like was that there before? And then she looks at the mannequin. And she's like please don't answer cuz she doesn't want it to talk. And then it like starts chasing her. I don't know. I think that scene's really really funny.
0: So, they split up. And she is walking down the hall and she's like Man, I don't know what kind of club this is. I thought we'd just be hanging out listening to Stevie Nicks albums. Talking about it. if I see the if I see those twins from The Shining, I'm gonna pass out. And then she walks, in. she walks to that door. She looks in, and it's dark, and there's all the mannequins, and she's like, "Nope, that's a room full of nightmare." And just turns around and leaves. I was fucking dying. My wife was like, "What?" The-? I, I was laying on the. I laughed for. Easily, like, 90 seconds. I could not <laughs> stop fucking laughing. That was just, it was just, just that, like, that's a room full of nightmare. Nope. Just turn around. That was, oh, it was amazing. Also, cold check reference, because we get the mannequins that come to life, right? Like, in the mm-hmm. cold check episode. So, yeah. But, no, yeah, that was, it was amazing. And then the mannequin starts chasing her, obviously. And so, she runs into the room, and mannequin kicks in the door, and all kinds of stuff happens. But, yeah, so... No, that scene was amazing. There's also in the trailer. There's a version of them with the theater manager in the basement talking about the ghost that I think they really should have kept in. I kind of like okay. it. And then the theatrical version has Holtzman in a wig and a hat instead of just a yeah. wig. At one point, Aaron's walking, and then there's like a row of like mannequin heads with like wigs, and then Holtzman and oh, it's very Young Frankenstein. I don't know if you remember that scene from Young Frankenstein when there's like all the the decomposing heads, and then yeah, I yeah. At his, so it's kind of like that, except she's got like a big purple wig on in the extended version. But in the theatrical version, she's got the purple wig and a hat. And she's like, is the hat too much? And apparently they decided the hat was too much because in the extended version, they just did the wig. So,
1: yeah, that's one of the scenes I remembered from the theatrical version when I first watched the extended version. And I was like, wait, where's that scene where Holtzman has like the wig or the hat? And I realized that that was I actually that think
0: that version is better. I think so too. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think so too cuz the extended version she makes a joke about like mean girl mannequins or something and I think the wig or the hat is funnier. Yeah. So they open fire on the mannequin and it like blasts the mannequin apart and a horned winged demon like flies out and it's kind of perfect for a heavy metal concert so I guess mm-hmm. that works. Yeah. Um and it flies through the ceiling into the venue. Where everyone, including the band in the audience, thinks that it's part of the show. And the poor lighting effects guy in the lighting booth at the back is like, that's not not me. (laughs) (laughs) So after some requisite deconstruction and a warning from Holtzman not to cross streams, which apparently is not in the theatrical version. Mm -hmm. The four of them manage to restrain the entity with their proton streams and Holtzman opens a ghost trap and it works and it sucks the ghost in. And they have successfully captured their first ghost.
0: Boom shakalaka. Or Toria would say, boom, boom, shake the room. Is that what you say?
1: Yeah, boom, boom, shake the room. Yeah. MasterChef Australia. One of the best shows ever made. Someone needs to get me like a MasterChef Australia TV license or something so I can watch it. Anyway, the crowd goes wild and they go up on stage and people are just like excited. The Holtzman breaks a guitar, which I'm sure the guitarist was not happy about. She and apparently
0: then... improved that scene, but they <laughs> managed to stop her before she did it because she grabbed a real guitar. Oh, but then they went ahead and had it refilmed with a fake guitar. So she oh, once to <laughs> scene that's a prop. But apparently Kate
1: McKinnon she, goes wild.
0: Got it. Yeah, she just like grabbed it. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, we can do that, but let's do it with this one that's not a real guitar. So yeah.
1: <laughs> so as they leave the concert, they're swarmed by people. And meanwhile, Rowan watches them on the news at a diner, and he swears that they will receive his vengeance.
0: Yeah. The big difference here between the, like, don't they cut out the don't cross the streams thing in the theatrical version is that Ozzy has different dialogue, neither of which honestly needs to be in this movie. I don't think he needs to be in this movie personally. Yeah,
1: I barely Um, notice he's there, to be honest. I always forget, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah,
0: in the theatrical version, he's like, Oh, Sharon, I'm having another flashback, or something dumb like that. And then in the extended version, he's like, We did that back in 70, whatever kind of stuff. Cause they're talking about like, you know, the wing demon, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it doesn't need to be in here, whatever. I'm sorry, it's- Ozzy, you've become a joke and I have no respect for you anymore.
1: Bad. Sorry.
0: How I feel. <laughs> Hot take. Anyway,
1: no opinions, none at all. I've got another hot take coming at the end of
0: this little bit. Tori's going to be amazed at this one. It might even bust her more than the bomb I dropped at the beginning. Uh Uh-oh. They celebrate with a dance party back at headquarters, and Holtzman shows off some more of her refinements to their gear, so she keeps working on it. She keeps tweaking it. Every time they go out, she tweaks, tweaks, tweaks. And then Dr. Martin Heiss arrives. He believes they are frauds, obviously. We've learned that already. And so to prove they are not, in the heat of the moment, Aaron releases the ghost they just trapped, which immediately kills Heist by knocking him out their window as it escapes.
1: Whoops. Yeah, not not a great move on her part in any way. She did have
0: she had Holtzman and Patty there with They did have Proton
1: Packs out ready to get it. But
0: when she pops it, nothing happens at first.
1: Yeah. And And then then it it bursts out.
0: Yeah. So, my hot take. I don't think Bill Murray should have been in that role. No. I'm not even sure he maybe should have been in this movie. He is notorious for not wanting to be involved in Ghostbuster stuff, which is why previous things had not happened. I don't think this was the role for him, personally. Hmm. If he was not in the movie, I think I would have been fine with it.
1: Yeah, I like that he was just because it felt... Because of all if he had just
0: been in that TV segment, that was that would have been fine. I
1: think so too. And I think because of all the pushback this movie got, that it was very important for the original cast to be part of it in some way. To sort of like, you know, Dan Aykroyd was very vocal about this movie. And like, but you know, it's it's good to have that support, I think, when you're doing something different like this. Mm -hmm. It's getting a lot of hate. Especially like we'll talk, we can talk about it later, or maybe we won't get to it. But, like, a lot of the hate was directed towards Leslie Jones because she is the woman of color. So, of course, Mm -hmm. like, everyone in the cast got hate. She got just pummeled with it in, like, such a gross, way. Yeah, she actually took down a whole social
0: media or something, didn't she?
1: For a while, yeah. I think she was off Twitter for a while. She's back. But um, it was just, it's so awful. And so I think just having that support behind it a little bit might help, although obviously it did not help in this way. But I think they were probably thinking like, one, it's a new Mr thing, let's bring everyone back for cameos. And two, like it doesn't hurt to have that kind of ingrained support of the original cast by having them participate. Unfortunately yeah, it didn't help. But no, like I said, he if he had
0: only had that TV segment, I think it would have been fine. Yeah. I but agree. then the fact that they bring him to have the in-person stuff, it should have been a different, I don't think it should have been Bill Murray. I also think it's ironic and this may have been part of his agreement to be in it. He has the largest cameo of he any does. one, yeah. Despite the fact that he's usually the one who doesn't want to be involved, which again may have been part of may have been a contractual be thing, it. right? Like he needs yeah, X number he of wanted minutes the biggest or whatever part kind of thing, yeah. yeah. But I don't think he, sh- I don't think he should have been in this role the way this role is in the movie. So,
1: okay, that's fair.
0: And if and again, as the as a super big Bill Murray fan, I think if he wasn't, I think I would have preferred for him not to be in it than to be in this role. Okay, yeah,
1: I don't mind it. I think it works fine, but I can definitely see that too. And I wouldn't have minded if it was someone else. So either way, really,
0: I, I honestly I don't think he plays the fop very well. The character is yeah. supposed to be a fop, and I don't think he does a great job of it. I almost think he overplays it a little bit. Honestly, I
1: will say, I think maybe this is why Holzer gave me Vankman energy, because even though he's not Vankman in this, I think maybe I was kind of conflating that. <laughs> when we saw Holzer, I was just kind of thinking, like, in my brain somewhere, it connected those dots. I don't know, but yeah. that might have been it.
0: That'd be Hans Holzer, in case you have not listened to our In Search of Episodes.
1: Which, uh, by the way, our In Search of Episode on ghosts is one of our best. You should definitely listen to it. It's very good. <laughs> it's it's wild, but it's it's a good ride.
0: Or almost dies
1: i do i laugh so hard i almost die it's pretty great so anyway we see that the area in front of the restaurant has been taped off and police are questioning them and then this black suv pulls up and these agents who we will later learn are agents hawkins and rourke bring the group before the mayor they basically take them away and take them to the mayor because the mayor wants to see them mm-hmm. and mayor bradley who's played by andy garcia And his aide, Jennifer Lynch, who is played by Cecily Strong, tell them that they and the Department of Homeland Security are aware of the paranormal activity in the city and that their rogue activities are bringing undue attention to it. So basically, it's the opposite of what you would expect the mayor to say. Like, I don't believe this is happening. Instead, it's very much, we know this is happening. But you guys are shining a light on it. So we're going to acknowledge the work you've done in helping curtail that a little bit. But we're going to need you to stop. Mm -hmm. And also to avoid panic publicly, they are going to claim that the Ghostbusters are frauds. Yep. Which obviously makes them all unhappy. But Aaron in particular is extremely unhappy about that. And Agent Hawkins is played by Michael Kenneth Williams. He was best known for playing Omar Little on The Wire, and among his many celebrated roles, he was also Professor Marshall Kane in three episodes of Community, including their Law and Order episode, and he sadly passed away in 2021.
0: And for balance, Agent Rourke is played by Matt Walsh, who is probably best known for playing Mike McClintlock on 65 episodes of Veep, though he has also been in a ton of stuff, including Community, Parks and Mm -hmm. Rec, Reno 911, Dog Bites Man... And he was a founding member of the Upright Citizen Brigade and was in the TV series. Unfortunately, he shares a name with a right wing transphobic fascist dick
1: who Mm -hmm. is
0: the person that comes up. If you Google the name Matt Walsh, I had to go to page three to get a single listing for this Matt Walsh. So, Yeah, I was
1: going to say he has a very unfortunate name and that's not his fault at all. It's just because there happens to be a really terrible Matt Walsh who is getting a lot of publicity right now for being absolutely fucking horrible. Yeah. By the way, this podcast supports trans people, trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary people are valid. If you don't like that, you can fuck off. Yeah. So undeterred, Holtzman has another round of equipment tests prepared in the alley. Aaron reaches for a blaster, but Holtzman's like, no, not that one. That one still needs work. So she gives her a Swiss army knife and says that no woman should be without one. She also lets her test a spectral grenade.
0: Which is what she almost threw to the ground. And mm-hmm. the extended scene when she was angry and after she got fired.
1: Patty tests a device that is part ghost vacuum, part ghost shredder. So it's kinda like a wood chipper for ghosts. Holtzman actually calls it a ghost chipper.
0: Yeah, which seems kind of harsh, although the ghosts in this movie are definitely like all malevolent. So
1: Yeah, I mean yeah. I think we've talked about it in the other Ghostbusters movies. Like there's a weird place where you get into ghost ethics, which these movies don't really touch on. So
0: Yeah. This movie they kill ghosts which is an interesting thought when you think about it
1: yeah I think they maybe send them back where they came but yeah they do like I don't know
0: this thing the when when later when this gets used in actual yeah in the field it just turns the ghost into slime and it's just a puddle of goo
1: yeah but you don't think the spirit goes back into the spirit world
0: I mean I don't know
1: Again, we don't ever get any of that stuff. In the cartoon, there was like a spirit world, so I assume whenever the ghost got. I mean,
0: there obviously is here too, but I don't know that they go back. I think they might just stop existing.
1: Eh, so. Maybe, maybe. Abby tests the kind of ghost boxing glove that fires proton energy. Basically, it's motion-based. And when she shoots it off, it kind of bounces around, and then it like lands on Benny's scooter, and Benny is the restaurant delivery guy. <laughs> he comes out, and he's just like,
0: He's
1: like, what a, come on. And he's yeah. like, come on. Yeah, no, it's he makes a really sad yeah. face. I love Benny. You know what? Benny is my favorite. Yeah. I heart him very much.
0: <laughs> and I have to say, props to Holtzman, because among, like, for, uh, for many, many things, props to Holtzman. But, like, she's actually doing equipment tests, which is something that Ray and Egon did not always do. So, I mean, though, in fairness, the subway did seem a little bit like a field test. So, if nothing else, she's at least making changes as needed.
1: So, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It felt like a lot of in the, in, the, in the original Ghostbusters, it felt like a lot of the stuff, the test was the first time they use it. Whereas mm-hmm. Holtzman, at least moving forward, is like, let's test this stuff first. So
1: let's test it and then let's keep tweaking it after we're in the field yeah. and we see what doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So back in their headquarters, they watch a press conference by Lynch that officially calls the Ghostbusters frauds. Abby gives a pep talk and they begin mapping ghost sightings in the city. And as they do, they discover that someone is charging the ancient ley lines to create a vortex that could break the barrier between the worlds. At the crossing of the lines is the Mercado Hotel. And Patty pulls up the Mercado Hotel on her laptop and immediately recognizes Rowan in the staff photo on the website as the guy who was creepy to her in the subway. Mm Mm-hmm. She also has a really detailed knowledge of stuff that has happened, not only in the hotel, but on the site where the hotel was built. So she wasn't kidding about being a local historian. She really does have some comprehensive knowledge of like. Yeah, she was like, I I read a lot of
0: nonfiction.
1: Yeah. And like, I mean, she knows about like, just like stuff that had happened there before the hotel was even built. So I thought that was Mm -hmm. really cool. And it was a good way to establish her character as being like an expert.
0: Back with colonizers. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So they gear up and they head to the Mercado. Yes.
0: I'm going to put a music cue pin in this for later. Gotcha. So, boom, pin. Anyway, so they show up at the Mercado and they walk in and the person at the front desk is talking on the phone and turns around and asks them, what do they want?
1: And the person at the desk is played by Annie Potts. So the person who played Janine in the movies.
0: Yeah. And movies. of course, in the original Ghostbusters, at one point when she has the phone, she's like, Ghostbusters, what do you want? So she's yeah.
1: kind of doing that it's a little cute little right? cameo.
0: Yeah. And then they go down in the basement and they find Rowan and he's about to activate his device. And so they try to talk him down. But rather than surrender... Rowan electrocutes himself on two Frankenstein style Tesla coils and he dies. Patty's like, That's a dead man. So, <laughs> yep. Holzman is able to shut down the machine and the day is saved.
1: Yay! Yay.
0: It also turns out that Rowan owned a copy of Abby and Aaron's book, Ghosts from Our Past, which may explain the similarity between their technologies. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So there's an extended pestering dialogue scene in here because Rowan says like the ghosts are gonna come back and pester people and Aaron's like, well that doesn't sound so bad. And then we talk about the pester basically means like rip people apart and stamp them into bloody pulps.
1: I also like in the scene when they're trying to convince Rowan the like world is good. Abby's trying to think of examples and she's like, There's soup, <laughs> like she can't think of anything else. And then Patty's like, and salad. <laughs>
0: And he turns around <laughs> immediately. He's apparently not a fan of salad. So
1: What's funny yeah. is, like, that's exactly how my brain works. Like, I'll be trying to make a dramatic point. And, like, I can't think of anything else. And then I can think of something that's, like, connected, but not at all what I mean. And I just I thought that was really funny. Yeah. So Lynch arrives and thanks them privately. And they emerge from the basement. And there's a news crew in the lobby. And also Agents Hawkins and Rourke. Lynch tells them that, oh, sorry, we just need to pretend to arrest you for the media. But it's a fake arrest. Also, we've towed your car, but like real tow, not fake tow. So you're going to have to get your car out. (laughs) So the agents perp walk them out of the hotel. while Lynch tells the media about the Ghostbusters desperate and pathetic publicity stunt.
0: Yeah. And then after this scene, we see them shutting down the basement. And we see a PKE meter. That is there, which is very reminiscent of the scene in Ghostbusters Afterlife because the PKE meter suddenly activates.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which means that there's a ghost there now. Which I after thinking about it some more, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Because one, this movie predates, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife. So it's mm-hmm. it's reminiscent of it, but actually it would happen before Ghostbusters Afterlife. But then also. For that to be true, that wouldn't mean his body would still need to be there. And I would assume they have taken away his body. So it's like, it's interesting, but it's also makes me question what's going on. So, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, his ghost can be there without his body.
0: But it would suddenly have appeared and it would appear by leaving your body. So maybe he left his body and came
1: back. Maybe he finally got back from where his body was. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: All right. Yeah.
1: I mean I don't I don't know. I didn't actually think of it that hard, but yeah, I don't know.
0: I think maybe it made more of a thing on me because we had just watched Ghost Special's Afterlife. And so in yeah. that one it definitely is like because the character has just died. But it like that's why it activates. But,
1: yeah, it activates right when he dies, but it also kind of activates randomly when he's like more active. So maybe ghosts kinda of go dormant and So yeah, we're...
0: so it could be that he came back for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Again, it was I thought about it later. So if I don't think about it later, then it's not a problem.
1: Yeah. So as the Ghostbusters walk down the street once the fake arrest is over, they're harassed by a blogger who's recording them with his phone. He personally attacks Aaron about her childhood ghost encounter. And he's like, Were you a fraud even as a child? So she snaps and like kind of attacks him. And of course, the event is captured on video and photographs. So it appears on the TV news and in the New York Post about how she like clocked this guy.
0: Yeah, she lays him out. Boom, he's yeah. out.
1: Yeah so aaron is upset by the coverage and like she finally just leaves because she's upset and then after she's gone kevin informs the others that he has decided he wants to be a ghostbuster
0: yeah and this whole bit is an additional scene so again it's another keeper in my opinion
1: yeah yeah So later, Aaron is, I guess, at her apartment, and she had taken the copy of Ghost from Our Past from the crime scene. So it's Rowan's copy. And as she's flipping through it, she finds that he has drawn all over it and annotated parts of it. And he has illustrated himself grabbing those poles and, like, as part of his plan. And he's also illustrated how, like, after that, he's going to come back. And so she realizes that his death was part of the plan, not a deviation from it, so that he can come back as a ghost to lead a spectral ghost army and bring about the fourth cataclysm.
0: Yep. Which, again, later I was thinking about it, and I'm wondering how long this book has been out.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Abby had, yeah, I don't know. We don't have a number, but clearly long enough.
0: Yeah, because he has built all this stuff. Erin and only have just found out about it.
1: Yeah, I but I mean, it might have way. been out for a while before she found out, right? Like, you could, that's true. It could been a while. Yeah. She just didn't know until someone brought it to her attention.
0: Although it is the first thing that comes up when you Google her name.
1: Now, yes. Well, maybe so. she doesn't Google her name very often. I don't Google uh, I my guess. name. <laughs> I, I have, have an alert set up, so. Oh, okay. See, I don't. <laughs> so I wouldn't know if. If my old friend published a book we wrote together, I would have no idea. It could be years before someone I know had a told lot me.
0: about this photographer in France and there's a fireman in like New England.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um some other people. Yeah. They're never about me, which is fine. That's the whole point why I have it. So I don't want it to be about me.
1: <laughs> right. No, totally. I don't want to
0: know if there is about me, because I don't want anything on the internet about me. Anyway. So Abby is alone at the headquarters above the Chinese restaurant and some weird stuff starts to happen. So despite the fact that she has a room full of ghost hunting gear, she decides to lock herself in the bathroom instead. And something comes up through the sink. It's Rowan and he possesses her. The theatrical cut is way better, in my opinion. The extended scene here is kind of weak and I don't like it. I think they should have stopped it where the ghost knocks her. She falls on the floor. Cut. So
1: It's a little much. It goes on for a little while, too. It doesn't really need to do that. No.
0: So failing to reach the Ghostbusters by phone, Aaron sees a news blurb about the mayor hosting visiting diplomats at the Lotus Leaf, a very exclusive restaurant. Meanwhile, Holtzman and Patty have returned to headquarters with some food, and Holtzman coaxes Abby out of the bathroom. Abby seems a little strange, but, you know, maybe her blood sugar is low. That's why they went and got some food. So Abby then tries to destroy the proton packs and attacks Holtzman and dangles her out the window by her throat. Patty fights her and they realize she's possessed. Patty manages to get Holtzman back inside and slaps Rowan out of Abby. And this scene is amazing. Patty is like, get out of my friend, ghost. Mac." The power of Patty compels you. Mac. So it is amazing. And I love it.
1: Also, Holtzman is wearing a gray suit with like a gray vest. Like she's wearing a gray vest and like gray slacks and this shirt. Mm-hmm. Underneath. I don't know. It just looks very good.
0: I have to say. So I have thought about this a lot. I have thought about this before watching this movie. I have often thought about what it would be like if I was a woman. And I've actually thought about how I would dress if I was a woman. And I would probably dress a lot like Holtzman so
1: i would if i were thinner and could pull it off i feel like i don't yeah, yeah. i don't know that i could pull it off but she definitely yeah does. well i mean
0: yeah because you just assume like what kind of you know obviously you have an ideal like if i was this person i would dress like this right like yeah. i would dress differently if i was thinner and in shape as a man too but there's both confidence issues and then just like availability issues it's just mostly finding
1: the clothes that fit well for me like i don't care about that or just
0: fit not even well
1: yeah yeah exactly i mean torrid has some very good businessy type clothes but even still they're not you know unless you get that stuff tailored it just doesn't look as good whereas like obviously on tv and movies everything is like tailored specifically so it all looks really great whereas if i bought that outfit it would not i'd have to like pay to get it tailored to have it really look even half as good
0: yeah, there really needs to be like a queer eye for the fat guy. Or, <laughs> well, I
1: mean, I think they do that. It's not, you know, specifically, but they just do it for regular people who have regular yeah. bodies. And so, yeah. yeah, they definitely do. But again, like getting a suit tailored is like thousands of dollars. Like it's just, which is why, expensive.
0: yeah, there needs to be a show so I can go on it and get close <laughs> for free. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, outside, Kevin has arrived on a motorbike, and he has, like, made his own Ghostbuster suit. So, it looks similar to theirs, but, like, if you look closely, you can see that he's, like, put tape around the parts of it that have, like, the highlighted lines and stuff. Like, it's it's a really subtle difference that I think is actually very genius. Like, it's a very good costume. And he has also outfitted his motorbike with ghost hunting parts and painted it with the white Ghostbusters logo, and he's dubbed it the Ecto-2. Yep. So... That was going to sell a lot of toys if they made a sequel. I bet they're pretty (sighs) bummed about that. But Rowan, who has just been pushed out of Abby, possesses Kevin. By
0: the power of Slapped out
1: and uh, possesses Kevin and rides off. Yep. So Aaron arrives at the Lotus Leaf Restaurant, which has big windows, and they do... Kind of a similar thing to Lewis banging on the windows in the original Ghostbusters, where she's like slapping on the window. But she also thinks the big windows might be sliding doors. <laughs> so she's going to open them and they don't open. So she finally comes around the front and she interrupts whatever meeting the mayor is having by telling the mayor he must evacuate the city because the apocalypse is coming and she's like don't be like the mayor from jaws and he gets really
0: yeah. he snaps when she says like i am not like the mayor from jaws how dare you
1: yeah and then like this dumpster rolls by and there's like this shaking and she's like oh no it's starting and everyone's just looking at her like she's crazy because like the dumpster is making the noise and she realizes it too and she's like oh okay and then like the secret service guys or security guys like come and grab her and he's like that took way too long and they drag her out of the restaurant
0: and yeah, she drags the table with her. So.
1: Mm-hmm. She does. And it looks like it has some good sushi on it. And I really want some sushi now.
0: Yeah. Andy Garcia is really well cast in this. He does a really good job. He's got some comedic chops in here. I'm impressed. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, as Kevin, Rowan arrives at the Mercado and immediately knocks out the two cops who are on guard duty in front of the basement. So, and he's like, man, I should have worked out more when I was alive because now he's very strong. So, he activates his device. And the portal opens, and day immediately turns into night as the city is flooded with spooks and specters. And then we get our standard Ghostbuster montage of ghosts mm-hmm. wreaking havoc. Aaron tries to get a cab, and the cab pulls over, but he says that where she's going is one block further than he wants to go. Which I thought was great because it's just such yeah, a short. He doesn't. Business. He doesn't go
0: to Chinatown.
1: Um, the driver is also played by Dan Aykroyd. Hmm. Um. and so she's like well can't you see what's happening like everything's you know there are ghosts everywhere and he's like yeah well i'm not afraid of no ghosts and i'm not traveling to chinatown and he drives away and he says i ain't afraid of no ghosts and as he drives away she's like that's a double negative that means you are <laughs> afraid of ghosts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so on the way to the mercado the ecto-1 is hindered by a roadblock of food carts because people have like gotten out of their cars and are fleeing because there's this weird light in the sky and like this funnel and it's dark and there's ghosts flying around everywhere so you know mass hysteria as you might say (laughs) so they stop to get out and move the carts out of the way and clear a path but Slimer pops out of one of the hot dog carts and promptly steals the Ecto-1 Because Holtzman left the keys in it. (laughs) Because I guess, I mean, to be fair, like, if you think no one is around and you're just trying to clear a space, like, of course, you would leave the car running. Like, that makes sense to me, but it's not funny. (laughs) So they're about to fire at it, but Holtzman tells them not to because the equipment on top of the Ecto-1 is essentially a nuclear reactor. So they probably don't want to shoot at that. So Slimer gets away with the car, but he does burst through the barricade in the process, so they continue on foot.
0: Yeah, and Slammer is voiced by the lead singer of the metal band from the concert scene, which I'm only mentioning for the sake of acknowledging their mutual mediocrity because mm. I don't think they can do a very good job on either part. Anyway, Agents Hawkins and Rourke arrive outside their Mercado with the police and the National Guard and they surround the entrance. And then, because they're on foot now, Abby and Patty and Holtzman are attacked by giant parade balloons.
1: Yeah, and they're very creepy, like, old-timey parade balloons. Yeah,
0: very old-timey. A little, like, what's that? Five Nights at Freddy or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, like the animatronics from Five Nights at Freddy. Yeah, no, they really do. they kind of got that vibe
0: a little bit, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they burst most of them with their proton pack, you know, shooting the beams at it. But there's a giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man balloon, and it belly flops on them and smashes them to the ground. And they're unable to move. But then suddenly the balloon pops. Yay. Erin has arrived all geared up, including with her Swiss army knife.
1: Nice.
0: So she used that to pop the balloon. Both versions need to cut the scene of her because we see them smashed. And then we see the balloon go, who? And then we see a scene of someone like jabbing like the balloon's butt. And then uh-huh. it pops. Both versions need to cut that scene out because it sucks. They need uh. to not show the part of it punk screen. I missed it on my first viewing of the extended cut. And then I saw it in the theatrical version. And I was like, oh, no, why would you put that in? Well, at least they fixed it. And then when I watched the other one again, I was like, oh, shit, I must have like blinked or been drinking or something because I missed mm-hmm. it because it's actually in both versions. And they need to cut that out. It doesn't work. And it should just be like him being like, oh, and then pop. And then we see her walk up. And then she's like proton cannons are one thing but and then she shows the swiss harmony like that's right. all you need you don't need to show someone stabbing it before it pops it ruins it it ruins the whole thing so
1: oh, okay i didn't even notice maybe
0: you missed it like me
1: no i just i don't I was... think i noticed that it ruined it but that's okay oh, i think it ruined it i don't think it bothered but... me but that's fair <laughs> so the rowan possessed kevin flies down from the roof of the mercado and And uses his now nearly godlike powers to make Hawkins, Rourke, and the entire National Guard, or whoever is there, do a thriller-style dance routine to the song You Should Be Dancing by the Bee Gees, which is very good dancing. The choreography Mm -hmm. was on point. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in the dance, he freezes them all in place, and they're all just stuck like mid-dance move.
0: And they cut the dance scene in the theatrical version. I don't oh understand man. Why. I mean I, yeah. I kind of know why cause when they yeah. probably again I think they were probably trying to stay under 2 hours for the theatrical sure. cut. Yeah. And then this scene will appear later. Mm-hmm. But I can't believe they cut it.
1: Anyway, it's very good. It's very good. I yeah. really like. And like I don't know, Chris Hemsworth looks like he's having a really good time. It just looks it fun. It's just fun. Yeah.
0: So the Ghostbusters arrive, on foot, obviously, and he sends a spectral army of New York City's past to battle them. There's like pilgrims and like old-timey, just lots of people. And they use all of Holtzman's new gear. The spectral grenades, the ghost chipper, the proton glove, the blaster that Aaron wasn't allowed to use previously. It was like like a proton mortar cannon or something. And then this previously unseen set of twin proton pistols that Holtzman has... And uses to take out all the remaining attackers single handedly.
1: Yeah. I have to say, like, she pulls the guns. She's like, oh, I forgot about my sidearms and pulls them out. And there's like, they're dual pistols. And she like she licks, licks one, one, one and then she just kicks ass. And it is the hottest thing on the planet. I think this scene made every woman gay. So now all women are gay. Sorry, just because of this scene. But, like, it's so good, and not only is it just hot as hell, like, I think it's kind of amazing because you just, you don't see women, like, doing stuff like that in movies as much. Like, the way that it's filmed, like, you could just, I don't, the way it's done is very like you would film a dude in an action movie, so it's, I don't know, I just think it's really well done, and also it's just very hot.
0: Yeah, it made me want to be a woman just so I could be gay.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, it's 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 awesome. It's I've yeah. watched it a million times. I have stared at it. But yeah, it's just very good. <laughs> it, it was just when I saw it in theaters, I literally had my jaw on the floor, and I was just like, "This is the best thing I've ever seen." And I'm not <laughs> leaving this theater. You're going to play that <laughs> again on repeat for like 20 minutes at least. No, it's so good. I love it. Yeah.
0: So, having defeated Rowan's frontline defense, they approach the hotel. Stopping momentarily as Ecto-1 speeds past with a gaggle of ghosts all like hanging out the windows. Almost like you would see drunk people like in a limo or something like, woo, party, Mm -hmm. party, party. They're hanging off the roof and out the windows and all kinds of stuff.
1: So Yeah, and there's a lady Slimer, which I hate. I have to say that's one of my (laughs) least favorite things in this movie. I left it out on purpose i know but i just I, I want to admit because i'm gushing and so i just want to point out that there are things in this movie okay, where i'm like okay to, come you're on. trying to be
0: fair and balanced I get come it. on
1: that was stupid shouldn't have done it but you know hey it's, i mean i'll forgive yeah. it because i love the rest of it but you know nothing is perfect unfortunately so they enter the hotel and they talk a little with rowan slash kevin and then rowan leaves kevin's body And so they, like, drag Kevin off to the side, and they're trying to capture his spirit, and they're, like, shooting at him, and he mocks their aim because they're not able to get him because he's, like, zooming around all over the place. And then he decides to take a form, and he's like, what should I be? And, like, Patty says something small and cute. Small and cute. So he kind of turns into their ghost logo, which is a small, cute ghost. But then he starts to grow and his face gets kind of demonic and he gets bigger and bigger. So the Ghostbusters like run outside, they pull Kevin out and Rowan is so big that he like literally bursts through the building because he is just gigantic. They flee and he chases them down the street and Aaron manages to get a shot off that causes an explosion which burns half his giant face so that's good, at least they can do some damage. And while he's like Distracted by that, they managed to duck down a side road and like hide from him. So, unable to find them, Rowan proceeds to wreck buildings. They return to the vortex, and Holtzman says if they cross the streams while firing into the portal, that might close it, and then it'll suck everything back in as it closes. So they try, but they don't seem to have enough power.
0: Yeah, this little bit where they return to the vortex, and she says to cross the streams is additional content, which makes sense because they cut the Don't Cross the Streams part earlier. Mm -hmm. So I think they both should be in the movie, personally. But maybe they cut that because they didn't want to be too, like, oh, they're just copying the Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah.
1: But, I mean, that's Ghostbuster Technology 101, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So. So, unfortunately, their attempt to do this makes rowan aware of where they are now this scene is actually in both versions so the scene where they cross the streams to do it doesn't exist so he must just realize where they are for some reason in Mm -hmm. the theatrical version because we don't get the scene that makes him aware also the ecto-1 has come around the block again and is heading right for them so patty is like you know in the cut scene they say they don't have enough energy and in this scene Patty suggests they use the nuclear reactors on the roof. If they shoot those, that might be enough energy to do what they want to do. Holtzman Mm -hmm. says if they can get the reactor super critical inside the vortex, the beta radiation could 180 the polarity. And then Aaron is like, total protonic reversal. And Abby is like, it'll turn the vortex into a giant trap. You're a genius, Patty. And Patty is like, I'm a Ghostbuster." So... They corral the Ecto-1 with their proton streams and then it dukes of hazards over the portal and then they hit it with the streams and the reactors go critical and it plunges into the vortex.
1: So green spectral energy turns red as the polarity reverses and everything out of this world starts being sucked into the portal. And giant ghost Rowan braces himself with some buildings, but the Ghostbusters blast him... <laughs> So giant ghost Rowan braces himself. You like that, huh? You like that? I'm going to expand it a little bit. So giant (laughs) ghost Rowan braces himself and he's holding onto the building. So Abby's like, let's loosen his grip. And they all shoot him in the nads, (laughs) the ghost nads. And so he like reaches for his crotch and he lets go. And there's this line of like, that's where you wanted us to shoot him, right? And she's like, yeah, of course. (laughs) It's very funny. So very well done. So because he let's go of the buildings he now flies headfirst into the portal and as he's flying towards it he reaches out and tries to take some of them with him abby knocks patty aside but rowan manages to grab abby as he plunges into the rapidly closing portal so erin spies a tow cable and she wraps it around herself and hooks it around and then she jumps into the vortex as it's closing and we see that the previously destroyed mercado hotel is reforming in its place Inside the void, Aaron plunges towards giant ghost Rowan, who is still holding Abby. So she takes her proton wand and she blasts his hand and he lets go of Abby and he plummets into the formless netherworld and Abby flies up and Aaron grabs her and she's like, I wasn't going to leave you twice. And then they get tugged back and we see outside Holtzman and Patty are pulling the cable and the cable now leads through the Mercado's front doors because it has reformed around the portal. Mm -hmm. And suddenly Abby and Aaron burst through the front doors and all the spectral energy dissipates and the crowd outside unfreezes and it's daytime again. Yay! So Holtzman and Patty hug Abby and Aaron and both of their hair has turned pure white from being in the portal. saw
0: shit that would turn their hair white. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Really, they're they're literally got turned white from yeah. So Kevin appears and he's eating a sandwich. And they're like, Where did you get a sandwich? He's like, I I went over to that deli. Anyway, he believes he closed the portal because he was hitting some buttons when the portal closed. And Holtzman's like, Those things are unrelated.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's like, Honey, that's not how it works.
1: (laughs) But it's sweet that he thinks he helped.
0: Yeah. And then Abby grabs a sandwich and throws it away. And then he's like, hey. And like someone from the crowd throws the sandwich back at him and he eats it some more. And then in and then the extended version, then she throws the sandwich away again later. And he asks for a bottle of water and a bottle of water shows up and he has some water. And he's like, how about a muffin? And a muffin shows up. That's all <laughs> cut out of the actual version. Just the sandwich. But it's kind of funny. It's, I don't know if it's supposed to be breaking the fourth wall or if it's just supposed to be like the crowd. I'm not actually sure how they're playing it, honestly.
1: So, I'm not sure either because I, I think it, the joke is that he's pretty and so people just give him things yeah. I think is the joke. But like I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like a fourth wall thing or if it's like someone in the crowd is just throwing in whatever he asked for. Yeah, it's not yeah. clear. Yeah.
0: So later the Ghostbusters are watching the news reports about all the cover stories to explain what happened. And, you know, they're like, oh, it was this. And, you know, they're denying this and da-da-da. At one point a, a reporter is talking to the mayor and he's like, so you're telling us it wasn't ghosts. It was actually that terrorists poisoned the water. And he's like, what? Wait,
1: did you <laughs> he's like, from? yes, no, it was not. Wait, what?
0: Because <laughs> yeah, that's even worse. That
1: <laughs> so really terrorists. trying to cover yeah. it up is causing more problems.
0: Yeah. And then Holtzman gives a toast that is straight up like me oversharing and opening up uncontrollably when I feel like I have found friends.
1: It's so and... sweet though because she is like the whole movie. She's just sarcastic and joking and fucking around with people, and then she actually has like a real moment, and you're just like, "Oh my god, I love you so much! Please just come out of this yeah, movie and marry me." Because I think me. I think
0: the world is love, and love is family. Then I think I finally found a family and friends, and I love you all very much. And then she likes us down and is like, <sighs> And oh, Patty's yeah.
1: like, that was real, right? They're like, she expected some <laughs> nonsense because it's ultimate, <laughs> but no, it was real. <gasps> yeah. Oh, sweet.
0: And then Lynch arrives to tell them that while the city will, of course, continue to publicly call them frauds, they are willing to completely fund their activities. Whatever they need going forward, it's theirs. Anything. <gasps> Aaron's like, anything? And she's, anything. So... And there's an extended hair dye talk scene in this, in the theatrical version, because obviously they've dyed their hair because Abby and Aaron's hair got turned white. And so Mm -hmm. Aaron has dyed hers red and Holtzman's like, I talked to you in an AA meeting because they're making fun of their color. So and then there's also talk about Abby's color, too. So they talk about the colors. And so it's kind of extended talk in the extended Mm -hmm. version, which makes sense. But in the theatrical version, it's kind of shorter. So. I was really afraid they were going to cut Holtzman's toast in the theatrical version when I watched it, and they didn't. I would have thrown a tantrum if they did that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty pivotal. That's her whole character arc right there, so we kind of need it.
0: Also, my rule, you can't cut Holtzman and you can't cut Patty.
1: Mm -hmm. Fair. Those are good rules. So they stand outside their new headquarters, which we see is the firehouse they couldn't afford previously. And as they're standing outside, Patty's uncle arrives in a hearse that looks identical to the one she brought over before they they messed it up. Mm
0: -hmm. Black and pink. Yep.
1: Yeah. So Holtzman has already run inside to claim the second floor, which they have told her you can't claim a whole floor, but she's going to try. And so Abby and Aaron follow as Patty tries to explain the situation to her uncle, who is played by Ernie Hudson.
0: Yeah, because he's wanting to know where the hearse is. He needs it.
1: Yeah, he's got... I forget like four funerals this weekend or something. So he needed yeah. and she's like, "Well, you can just double up." And he's like, "I can't double up." So they have a conversation about it. Yeah,
0: she's like, "I told you it's on the other side," and he's like, "What in Jersey?" So yeah.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> the other side. What in Jersey? No, the other <laughs> side. Yeah, it's really good. It's good. Yeah,
0: and then the credits for like ten seconds. These are like mini credits. Uh They do like credits for like 10 seconds and then they have little scenes interspersed. Uh So the first one is that Benny brings Abby an order of wonton soup and it's all (laughs) wonton. And he's like, It's "Uh a container of (laughs)
1: wonton. I love Benny so much.
0: Yeah. And he's like, come on, girl. You deserve all the wonton in the world. Don't let any man tell you otherwise. And they cut that part. I can't believe they cut that part where he's like, oh, come on, girl. But yeah, in the his version,
1: face is so. so good, too. He's just like, uh-huh. yeah, she pulls, like
0: I she pulls, he's like, he's like, here, I brought this for you. And she's like, oh, good. And she pulls it out. and He's like, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> he's like, you bet. She's like, I'm just asking for a reasonable ratio of soup to wonton. And that's what he's like. Uh-huh.
0: Come on, girl. You deserve all the wonton in the world. Don't let any man tell you. Otherwise, And he gives her a big old hug.
1: Oh, and so he's like, cute. we're on for
0: brunch later. And she's like, no, no, we're not.
1: Just be friends with him. Benny is the best. Anyway. Sheesh. Yeah. Then we get a little more credits and we see that Kevin seems pretty competent answering the phone for a little bit. So that's good. He's gotten Uh, better. And then we get more mini credits.
0: And then we see. Holzman has created a new ghost trap that is very much like a giant bear trap.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Looks dangerous.
0: Yeah. And then we get more mini credits.
1: And then we see that Holtzman has also built a containment unit, and she's like, you know, just don't be in the room with it for more than an hour because it's extremely radioactive. She also introduces Abby and Aaron to her mentor, Dr. Rebecca Gorin, who's like, if anyone sneezes too hard, everyone in this building will be disintegrated. That sounds a little scary. So Holtzman's laughing, and she agrees that it's totally unstable. And then Goren looks over and she sees like this blinking safety light and she's like, what do we say? Safety lights are for dudes. And Holtzman <laughs> repeats, safety lights are for dudes. And then Patty comes down from the roof and she's like, everyone needs to come up here and see something. So they follow Patty up to the roof and we see that the entire cityscape is lit up and buildings have lit up their lights so that they say GB and heart GB and... They realize that even though the mayor is trying to say that this was a non-event, people know what the Ghostbusters did.
0: The city loves them, just like Toria it does.
1: Did. It's it's very sweet.
0: And also, Doctor Rebecca Gorin is played by Sigourney Weaver.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that this is her cameo at the end, just like she had a cameo at the end of Ghostbusters Afterlife.
0: Yep, 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 yep. And then we get full credits. Boom, boom, boom. Which is where. The dance scene reappears in the credits. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see why maybe they would cut it for a time because we do get to see it again. And it, it also works great here, but you don't get the Bee Gees in this one because you just get theme song music. Mm-hmm. And not having the Bee Gees is kind of a crime. So you need both. Yeah. I also like how the credits react to what's going on on screen. They like get yes. around and moved by Ghost and Chris Amberth. It's really freaking cool. I love it. Yeah, I think it's a fucking Look at me being an adult. Anyway.
1: (laughs) It's a great credit sequence. It's one of my favorites. Yeah,
0: No, it's really good. And then the credits end and everyone is working on stuff at their new headquarters. And Patty is listening to some EVP tapes, electronic voice phenomenon. And she stops and she says, any of you know what Zool means? (gasps) and then it's over. <gasps> yeah. I would not have ended with that.
1: Oh, that because they me. were they were leading into a sequel that is never going to happen. I don't know if that was well, going to be a direct lead in, but Unless still. that has
0: already been written and you got it like in the box, you are well, setting up expectations with that line. Eh,
1: I think it's fine cuz it's a clear reference to the original and even if they decided to go somewhere else it's such a, you know, you could just wave it off. I think it works. I would
0: have cut the previous one when we get the safety lights are for dudes and Holtzman and Gorin high five each other. I would have cut there, gone to credits, and then the last thing would be Patty coming down and saying, guys, you need to come up here. And the last thing yeah. we see is that the city loves the Ghostbusters, and then the, it ends. Yeah, so that's I don't how
1: know. I, I like them it. leaving on a suspenseful note. I think it works, but yeah, either way.
0: Yeah, to me, it just sets up an expectation that you might not be able to meet if you do have a sequel.
1: So, I think if they had made a sequel and Zool had not appeared, I don't think anyone would have held that against them. I it would have,
0: I would have, I would have remembered. So, <laughs> I've been a little upset, but
1: um, I've been, hey, they dealt with Ghoul ones. off screen. Now they're dealing with something else or Zool. I, call them oh, okay. cool. <laughs> I don't know.
0: as I might have mentioned, I really like this movie a lot. Mm hmm. I do have some pet peeves though. I have the same pet peeve with this that I had about the opening with GBA.
1: Yeah. In my notes,
0: I have GBA. That's Ghostbusters Afterlife. I like to use cool initialisms in my notes. They just have all that stuff in the front that is like I don't I don't I don't understand why they have to do that. Like we know who made the movie. Like you're going to get the same amount of money. Like you can throw the credits in later. I don't understand why they need to do that. It just it to me it takes away. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm the only person who feels that way.
1: Don't think there's anything we can do about it. So.
0: Yeah. Also, there needs to be a law, a federal law, not just state thing punishable by death that no one is allowed to cover or remake the Ghostbusters theme or any derivative thereof. It's Ray Parker Jr. or no one. Stop it. This also includes Ray Parker Jr. maybe without the whole punishable by death part trying to write new ghostbusters related material which he did in this one just just stop it just play the ghostbusters theme we had the same issue with ghostbusters 2 where there were like remakes and new versions of it that weren't good like just stop just just the, the, the song is fine
1: yeah it is anything else And it's funny because I didn't really notice much, you know, I didn't really think about it when I first saw this movie and I hadn't really thought about it. Like, it's not something that popped into my head. But then after watching all the Ghostbusters movies in, like, quick succession, this time when it started and it was completely different, I was like, oh, I kind of missed the other one. So, yeah, I get it.
0: I will say that the version, which is, I'm not sure if it's a remake or, like, a derivative I'm not sure exactly the part that's playing like during the main, like dance sequence during the credits, that one is actually probably the best of all the ones that exist.
1: Yeah. It
0: does like the second half of it is a little, oh, I'm not a fan of it, but like the part, mm-hmm. that part it's because the beats good. It, it matches the dancing. And they actually I think they actually cut some of that to match that music whereas before it was cut to match the BGs, So oh. it actually kind of works because, like, the, the moves and the beats hit. So they, 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 they did an excellent job on the credits, like, overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just in general, like, just, just play the Ghostbusters theme, and if you want to play something else, then play something else, which they do later, and we'll talk about that in a minute, is a song that was amazing, and Tori and I are going to talk about it. But let's go back to my little musical cue pin that I had dropped mm-hmm. earlier when they're heading to the Mercado they play this version I'm okay with they play an orchestral version of the Ghostbusters (sighs) theme because they're heading to the job right that is something that I wish Ghostbusters Afterlife had done when they were heading off for the final battle because they Mm. don't play the Ghostbusters theme when they're heading off in the Ecto-1 and you really need that
1: Mm. yeah I could see that okay yeah
0: Before we get to this other song I want to talk about, Tori has an interesting note here that I had not thought about at all, and I'm interested to see what she has to say.
1: Well, so I was thinking one of the complaints about this movie that is actually valid, again, there there were valid complaints about it. I'm not going to pretend that there aren't, is just the way that Patty's character is kind of treated as what we call the Zoidberg, if you're familiar with Futurama, And it does relate directly to her story arc, but also because she is the only black Ghostbuster and she's, you know, the black woman and the other women are white. It can be a little problematic. Things like when they're at the concert hall and Holtzman's like telling Abby, oh, Abby, you're doing great. Aaron, you're doing great. Patty, try a little harder. Okay. Like stuff like that. Where... I did see some people say that it came off a little bit as like microaggressive, like these are little microaggressions, which I can totally see. Again, I'm a white person, so I'm sure there's stuff that I'm completely missing as well. I can totally see why that's an issue. Um, I don't think it was done maliciously, and I'm not trying to excuse it or say that it's okay so much. It's just like, I do think it relates to her story arc. And then I was, because I was thinking about that, I started thinking about her story arc versus Aaron's because they do have a very similar arc. They're kind of like almost foils for each other because Erin's arc is that she is a real scientist and she really wants to be taken seriously. And so her arc is about coming to terms with being a Ghostbuster and being okay with other people thinking that she's a fraud or she doesn't know what she's doing. And she has to kind of embrace and accept that as the movie progresses. Whereas Patty's arc is that she starts off as the outsider. She's not a scientist. She has a lot of knowledge. I mean, she is when she says she's a historian, she knows stuff, and they show that in the film. So she definitely brings stuff Mm -hmm. to the table. But what she brings to the table is this knowledge of history and also just practicalities. Like, she's the one who gets them a car. She's the one who gets them jumpsuits. She's the one thinking about those things while the other three are talking science. She's also the
0: one who's like, hey, let's shoot the car with the nuclear reactor on top. I mean, she
1: does, and that's her arc, right? Like, she gets to the point where, like... We see that, you know, it doesn't matter that maybe she's not as well-versed in science as these other women who, like, I mean, I would be like Patty if they were talking science around me. I would be like, please, say it in English. You know, it's kind of like Venkman. She is the only of the three,
0: much like Winston, who is not a doctor.
1: Yes, exactly. So she is the one who so her arc is not about coming to terms with being a Ghostbuster, but like accepting that she is, in fact, one of them and that she's just as much one of them as the other. So I just thought it was an interesting contrast to how they played that out in the movie. Um, Unfortunately, because she's the outsider, I think that's what sort of leads to those little things that do come off kind of as microaggressions or maybe actually are microaggressions. Because if people are pointing them out and saying that, then fair. Again, I'm a white person. I can totally see that. And I think one of the downsides of this movie is, unfortunately, that they did go with, like, three white women and only one person of color. I think they could have mixed it up a little more. But then again, like again, like I said earlier, Leslie was the one who was subjected to the most vicious and awful abuse, which shouldn't be how it is. And it shouldn't change how they cast things in any way, shape, or form. But it's just really depressing.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked yeah. about that a little bit with Ghostbusters After Life about, like, with Lucky, like she like when we were doing the analogs of who which character is which this one this movie the there's the analogs are very mixed but we were discussing about how like you know like oh lucky is in the winston analog unfortunately because she is the i mean we talked about how podcast is not white either but
1: he's not he's not white No,
0: not dark-skinned and so that's where lucky falls in right she falls into that category so, yeah. and this one does the same thing. And this one happened obviously before Ghostbusters Afterlife. So we're watching it afterwards because we thought it was better to keep the the universes together when we watch them. Mm-hmm. So there are some things that are like we're saying like, oh, it's like this, but really time wise, it's the other way around. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. But I do just think, I always think it's interesting to look at like how a character progresses through a story. And I feel like they did a pretty good job with all four of the Ghostbusters. Abby's progression was accepting suit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
0: because i did i did pick up on the that that like patty you know try harder uh-huh like, that, that's weird
1: yeah and i do think it kind of i think, it, in, it I think sucks. in my
0: head i rationalize that as like well because she's not the scientist right but then again th- none of them are like expert proton
1: pack right users. exactly and so the fact that that
0: comes in does seem weird However, in that same scene, we get where Abby, like they're trying to get down the aisles and they can't. Right. And so Abby ends up leaping off the stage and crowd surfs. Mm -hmm. And then Patty's like, all right, you freaks. Here I come. And she does it. And they all like just like part the Red Seas and she Mm -hmm. smacks on the floor. And she's like, I don't know if that was a lady thing or a race thing y'all suck like she's, she's like i'm
1: pissed she's like i'm pissed yeah. <laughs>
0: and,
1: yeah it probably was a race thing and like that's i mean ugh. so it's, it's, yeah
0: it's kind of weird that those exist in the same scene even where like yeah. they kind of like blatantly are acknowledging that and then almost like do something that again like microaggression almost like no one even maybe even thought that that would be i a think
1: thing. I think right. the thing is the writers are white, right? So they're not thinking of it that way. And I'm not trying to excuse it. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying get more people of color writing movies and, you know, maybe yeah. being script supervisors and, you know, checking some or story editors and maybe, you know, checking some of this stuff because obviously it's a problem. But I don't think that their intention was to do that. Not that that makes it, again, doesn't make it okay. I'm not Well, it's interesting
0: it, because there but, is a direct, talking about analogs, there is a direct analog to that in the first Ghostbusters movie Mm -hmm. because when they're in the banquet hall Egon says Vaquin adjust your beam I don't want my face melted off and so he does criticize but he's criticizing Uh Vankman. because one Winston doesn't exist at that point so the fact that this one gets pointed at Patty is rather than being pointed at like Abby or Aaron is kind of Again, I think it might be because Patty is, like you said, she is the outsider, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that's even, what the writing even, was thinking, right? The even in a non-race thinking.
0: thing, she is not the doctor, right?
1: That Yeah, so, and I think that's where the writing but, was trying to come from, was that she is the one who's not the scientist. She's the newcomer to the group, and so they're she's the one that they're going to, like, poke at, which would be fine if there was maybe more than one person of color on the team, but because she's the only one, that stuff really does stand out. And again, it's just... Maybe have some non-white writers participate or have some people look over the script or the story and just kind of, you know, maybe give some advice on that. But anyway, yeah. But it did make me think about their story arcs. So, you know, hey, there you go.
0: Yeah. It is also interesting because I read where Paul Feig, he says that the the character of Patty, he actually wrote it with Melissa McCarthy in mind.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: But he didn't want he realized later that he didn't want her to play that part because it was it was it it's kind of a breakout character right it's kind of like because like she is one of like she's one of the favorite characters in my opinion of uh-huh. the movie and so he was like it's kind of the same character that I gave to Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids
1: okay. which is kind of like a
0: breakout character so he's like I want to do that for someone else and so he didn't he actually wrote it for her but then decided that she should not play that character because mm-hmm. you wanted someone else to do, to get that same sort of like benefit kind of thing. So yeah, that, that makes that, sense. And and I don't, and I, and I don't know like where that particular line came into the writing. Right.
1: Right. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that that, you know, it's the worst thing in the world that's ever happened. I just wanted to point it out because I remember when the movie came out, that was one of the criticisms that was being lobbied at it. Cause there's another line too. And I'm forgetting which one it is where they do something similar and that was something that I saw people talking about. And I was like, "Okay, that is valid. Like that is definitely a valid point to make. So yes,
0: yeah, oh, that is interesting though, because I did i i I acknowledge that as like that's it to me it for that to be there, it seemed weird.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think
0: I think it was just the way it was written because it yeah, wasn't written it... In the way it wasn't written in the way that the original one is written, right? In the first Ghostbusters movie. It's just like, try harder. Like, yeah, it's not like, hey, adjust your beam. You're going to melt my face off or, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, do better.
1: Yeah. Which, and you know, little... Holtzman is just kind of an asshole sometimes. But still, yeah, yeah. Uh, just felt like they were picking on her. And it's like, I get why story wise, but also it's not a great look. Right.
0: Yeah. Like I say, I that stood out to me, but it didn't stand out to me in the way that you're expressing it, I, it, it but it did catch my attention. So maybe like subconsciously, uh, I don't know, but like yeah. it did. That line did stand out to me of like, oh, that that sounds harsh, right, but I didn't even exactly. apply it to like race and everything again because mm-hmm. I don't need to because I'm white, so you know that's a flaw. I also wonder about the subway scene and links to Ghostbusters too, because we do have subway scene in that also, and then also we have the um, electrocuted you know, prisoner thing too. Yes. Those are, yeah. Those are both those were intentional. And it's funny.
1: Cause I had not just... thought of that before, but again, I, I usually, I had, I have not seen Ghostbusters too as frequently. And having just watched it, that stuff did stand out to me for sure.
0: Yeah. And then, so we were talking about music. So towards the end of the credits, a song starts playing. And I'm like, Oh, this is a good, I have a thing where sometimes I'll hear songs and I'll really get into the music and then they'll start singing and I'm like, oh man, you ruined it. <laughs> like, no, just this, this should have either, like this should have been instrumental. Like I'm really into this. And the song was playing and then it came on and I was like, holy shit. And it's an amazing song. It's Good Girls by L King and I love it. Tori apparently loves it.
1: I have it on my iPod. I listen to it all the time. I think it's just—it's such a fucking badass song, and it's like—it it's is fun. extremely
0: badass. She is apparently Rob Schneider's daughter.
1: Oh, I had no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, but what got me was I thought it was someone else. I thought it was Jin Wigmore. Oh, who I'm a fan of, and I thought I was like, oh shit, Jin Wigmore is on this on the soundtrack. I didn't even know. I'd never heard this Jin Wigmore song. And then the credits roll, and I'm like, wait, that's not Jen Wigmore. And I was, I went back and listened to some more Jen Wigmore songs. Extremely similar. Like, extremely similar in style. Extremely st- similar in vocal style. Jen Wigmore is a, uh, I believe she's a New Zealand singer. But she's also amazing. So if you like this song, you might want to check out Jen Wigmore. Oh,
1: yeah. I definitely uh, will. Yeah. I- I remember when I saw this movie in theaters and that song came on because I was waiting through the credits because obviously the credits of this movie are very entertaining so they're not the they're not just like black screen. Or I was whatever. gonna say you're
0: not usually a credits person. No, so. I mean Marvel
1: has trained me so I do sometimes stay, but like also I think I knew there was an end credit scene because I think someone had said so. I think I was waiting. Okay. For that. But I loved this song immediately and I went home and I found it and I bought it like pretty much instantly because it's so good and I still freaking love it too. Like I think it's great so. Yeah.
0: finally talking about um credits you did not know about the the very end credit scene on ghostbusters afterlife until you saw my notes
1: (laughs) i'm like okay you had cut out
0: you had cut out but also you were were also like going through emotional
1: i was also yeah as well so So, you know yeah i needed to get a tissue and get ready because i had to record my vampire podcast (laughs) so like I'm like yeah. get my shit together for that. <laughs> Which does
0: lead me to do, because after we watched Ghostbusters Afterlife, and after we recorded the episode, we were texting, and I had been talking with my wife, and I came up with the idea, or theory, or whatever you want to call it, that I think Ghostbusters Afterlife works better as a sequel than as part of a trilogy, and that for Ghostbusters Afterlife to actually... Be the best sequel Ghostbusters 2 should not exist
1: yeah I mean I think it's fine to have stuff in between but I, I can also see that too because you don't need yeah, it I
0: just think I think it works better as a direct sequel but not to say that Ghostbusters 2 shouldn't exist but some of the things that we were discussing about Ghostbusters afterlife and things that like didn't seem to make sense that kind of thing getting rid of Ghostbusters 2 kind of makes things flow a little bit better in some cases. I mean, it still leaves a lot of open stuff, but, Mm yeah. So it sounds like there's two paths you could go by. There's two alternate universes. You have Ghostbusters and then Ghostbusters 2, and then you have Ghostbusters and then Ghostbusters Afterlife. And, like, you don't have a trilogy. I don't know. But... Yeah. Kind of wrapping up some addendum stuff here at the end. Yeah. um, I have to admit, I'm a little wore out because this movie was amazing and I was totally into this recording and now I'm a little spent.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm just really tired. <laughs> just really tired lately. I'm having some, having a rough month and a half. That's okay though. Yeah. It's all worth it. And no, this movie is fucking good. It's so good, and I love it. And it just makes me happy every time I watch it. And I forget how much I love it. and Then I watch it. And I'm like, oh yeah, this movie's really fun. It yeah, no, and rocks. like I
0: say, that scene, that scene with Patty when she's like, "That's a room full of nightmare." Nope, <laughs> I just I lost my shit, and I just had to stop. And I was just laughing so hard. Yeah, it's
1: it's really good.
0: I think that's, that's what I would do. <laughs> like,
1: well, yeah, and you know, that's the thing is like I'm she's going go you know, in there.
0: I'm not going to. A, I'm looking. I'm looking for ghosts. And there's a dark room full of mannequins.
1: I'm not fucking going in there. Screw no. you. No way. No, you should not. That is smart <laughs> to turn yeah, around just and the, walk the, away. But
0: just the lead up to that too of like, man, I thought we'd be playing some Stevie Nicks albums, and if I see those <laughs> twins in The Shining. I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> this is like she's like, mm, I'm not sure I made the right choice about this. Yeah, but no, Holzman, Patty, Bam, they are the. I have to say, I know I know you are a fan of Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. I think she was the wink-link. I'm not saying she was bad, but I think she was right. probably the weakest part of this movie, honestly. And that may have been intentional because she, I think she was probably... Well, I don't know. I guess in different worlds, she was probably the biggest star in this movie of the leads. I mean, obviously Chris Hemworth is in the Marvel movies and Kristen Wiig has been stuff, but... Yeah, I know. Like in the comedy area, she might have been.
1: Yeah. Most. I'm
0: not sure. Just because movie- she's been in more movies and that kind of thing. Yeah. So although she and Kristen Wiig were in bridesmaids together. Yes, so, they were. Uh, yeah. I think Kristen did. I have not seen. I've only seen Kristen Wiig in two movies. I have not seen Wonder Woman. I know she's been in a lot. Of, I'm not, I'm not I Wonder
1: didn't White see Wonder Woman in 1984 either because I just I, I don't know. I just I want. I didn't even know Wonder it was Woman. her.
0: I went back and looked and I was like, holy shit. Just because she looks totally different too. Like in the even like promotional images, like, like her hair's shorter and she's got like dark makeup. I wouldn't have not even recognized that it was the same person. But I've only yeah. seen her in Paul and I've seen her in this. They're mm-hmm. <laughs> almost the same character.
1: They're really similar. I, was,
0: I actually kind of had the thoughts of like, oh, she's like a Jeff Goldblum or like they just played themselves. But. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe I it's mean, just... I Aaron's might just slightly be different,
1: but yeah. I think just how she acts, maybe it comes off as very similar. I, yeah. I did see Bridesmaids, but again, that was... We talked about this at the end of Paul, if you listen to that episode, uh, which is on our Patreon, I believe. But like... Which is where I, this will be
0: eventually. Yes,
1: so. it will be. I just really didn't enjoy that period of very raunchy movies that had a lot of the like... Bodily humor and toilet humor, which even in this movie there's some of that, and it's it's okay. But like I have a limit on that stuff. Paul was the same way. Like I have a limit on that, where like I can only take so much, and then I'm like out. <laughs> and I feel like bridesmaids crossed that line for me, and so I just wasn't that into that movie. But that's just a personal thing for me. It's not saying anything about the quality of the movie. It's just not my thing. So yeah,
0: I mean I didn't see it, but I didn't see any of the movies at that time in my head. That's like the almost the way like I guess some people would think of like oh this is the lady Ghostbusters right as opposed to being like a separate movie just of being Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I always think of I've, again I haven't seen either of them, but I think of Bridesmaids as like the lady Wedding Crashers, and I don't know if that's accurate just because they both have like wedding related titles. I think but probably in my, head, but... in my head that's kind of how they existed, and just like yeah, similar. I'm not in, I'm not into that sort of. Humor and that kind of stuff. So,
1: right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: But, yeah, but no, this, I love this movie. um This movie's pretty great. About, I dig it. Yeah. I don't think there are direct analogs. I think both of us would want to be Holtzman, but probably aren't.
1: No, I'm probably Abby.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would say I'm probably. Aaron. Yeah. I'm probably Aaron. You're probably Abby. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I will say in 2016, when this movie came out, I could not find a fat girl Ghostbuster costume to save my fucking life. And I'm like, two of the women in this movie are like plus size. How is this not possible to find yeah, a Yeah, because Leslie
0: Jones is huge. She's they I, had, mean, I, I say huge. She is she's very tall.
1: tall. Yes, she's very yeah. tall. But she's also yeah. like, she's not super skinny. Like, obviously, um, no. Kristen Wiig is and um, Holtzman, obviously, you know, Kate McKinnon is pretty thin um, but like yeah. you could find ghostbusters costumes all over the place you could not find like plus size ones and i was like what the fuck come on like this is a yeah. movie with like a fat ghostbuster there should be a fat ghostbuster costume so i still to this day have not found a ghostbusters jumpsuit so if anyone has a lead on that please send it my way so question i, I have a question it.
0: for you because i mean we talk i would buy the pajama
1: version as well yes
0: Okay. We, well, we've talked about our love of Ghostbusters and mm. our love of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. If you were to have, I guess this is similar to the if you could only have one question, would you get a? Would you get one of these Ghostbusters uniforms, or would you mm. get one of the other Ghostbusters uniforms? If you were going to have a Ghostbusters uniform, fuck.
1: Um. Jesus, these are hard questions, Nick. You're really, you're really, yeah. <laughs> really making. I think. I would like the one with the logo from the original. I think if I got a choice, but I also like this one. And honestly, I would take whichever one I could get that would fit. Really, so well. I mean, anyone... the big difference.
0: I think. Oh, well, I think they have the logo. Do they have the they logo? They do. On the arms I think the... they
1: put the logo on the arms at some point. Obviously, when they first get the jumpsuits, okay. like Patty's just handing them out. I think they do because it's basically get a the
0: logo. same logo. I think officially, the logo is more like. Metallic looking, yeah, and got but like this one but it... has
1: like the orange stripes and stuff, which I think right. I would probably go for the traditional, just to not have the stripes, but I wouldn't mind the stripes either. So like, I wouldn't say no to either.
0: And I think the stripes. I didn't even think about that when you said it in the summary here when you were talking about it. It hadn't occurred to me that would be the reason for it. I was wondering why they went with the stripes, but like you said, that's because those are probably MTA.
1: Yeah, they are overalls. MTA. Yeah, and so they've, Patty and so says they've she got, got them from got, work.
0: <laughs> and so those are like the reflective stripes because then later, like when they like the first time they're dressed up, they all like they have the 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 overalls on, but they all are wearing like just whatever shoes they happen to have on. Mm-hmm. And then later they have like the the all black boots, and those have also have a reflective stripe on them. And Mm -hmm. so I thought that was just, like, a design choice, but it makes more sense that those would be MTA clothes of why they would have Mm – I was trying to figure out, like, why they went with that design. Yeah, I I think it's because they're supposed to originate
1: from there because they didn't originate from – Wherever the original ones, and then I love that Kevin's. If you look closely at Kevin's, it's different. Like he made his own, and you can tell that he like. I did not notice
0: that. I just assumed he took one. I did not pay attention to that. His
1: is slightly different if you look really closely because he (laughs) made his own, which I think is such a great touch. I have not,
0: I I didn't go that deep. As I like, I said I've watched this like (laughs) five, six times this week. I but just I think it's, not it's such
1: that. a great little thing to do because he doesn't even have the right outfit. Like, it's just so good. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, I think <laughs> I was more focused because, like, his, again, he's got, like, that dirt bike, right? And he painted the, the fuel tank white, and then he's got the logo, and it's got the little Ecto-2 plate. And
1: uh-huh. then he's, like,
0: welded all this, like, just random bits of equipment to the back to make it look all, like, technological and stuff. So, Yeah.
1: And then he like folds it down, and he's only wearing like you know he's got the top like tied around his waist, and he's wearing a white well, shirt. Well, he has so you don't to because it
0: you need you just you need to see those pecs and those. Arms oh, I'm not arguing that
1: that's a bad choice. Yeah. I'm just I think you don't see the uniform super closely because you know.
0: Yeah, basically you see torn. it when he's outside, and yeah. then he gets possessed, and then he rides off, and the next time you see him, yeah, he's got it down it's folded down. And he's got yeah. the white T-shirt on, and then later, after he does the machine then he's just in jeans and a white t-shirt he's ditched the the coveralls altogether. Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah yeah oh god this movie makes me happy i'm glad you liked it i was so worried you were just gonna hate the whole thing and i was like
0: i mean i didn't i didn't like it at all i loved it i fucking loved it so yeah
1: i also love it very much and i understand that it's not for everyone there are i do like i said i have friends who don't like it for various reasons and that's fine I mean, you don't have to, but I mean, yeah,
0: I you do. cannot like it because, like, like, like we were talking about with the other stuff. Like, it's just that's not your type of comedy. That's your thing. But yeah, if you're not going to like it because it's like it's a it's all women and it's like fuck you, go to well, fucking
1: hell. Especially like, just get like out of here. I'm sorry. I was a kid in the '80s. I was a girl in the '80s. Like, I grew up watching Ninja Turtles. I grew up watching Ghostbusters. I grew up where the woman was always the peripheral like reporter or receptionist like you know obviously there were things like shira and stuff but like for all the stuff that i really loved it was all dudes and i really like felt left out and i think that that sucks and so i think you know like i, I can't even state even if this movie completely sucked which it did not but even if it had just the fact that there was a team of ghostbusters who were all women Would have been enough for me to have that in the world because it just means so much. Like, obviously, the Ghostbusters mean a lot to me. I don't know how much of my crying Nick is going to keep (laughs) in Ghostbusters Afterlife, but there was a lot of I actually
0: just finished editing it last night. And I was re-listening to the first hour of it and I actually just stopped at the part where you yeah, you're you're mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I cry
1: a lot because it does mean a lot to me. And this movie means a lot to me for the same reason that Kylie and Extreme Ghostbusters meant a lot to me, for the same reason that the new Shira means a lot to me, just because the characters are allowed to be openly queer, just like those kinds of things that like I didn't get to have as a kid. And I feel like that did a lot of like, I don't know if it did a lot of harm, but there's some damage. There's some collateral damage because I didn't get those things. And I think it's great that those things exist in the world. And now kids today, if a kid likes Ghostbusters, there are several movies they can watch and they can see both men and women being Ghostbusters. And I think that matters. I think it's important. So I'm really glad this movie exists for that alone. I also just fucking love it. Unabashedly, completely. And Holtzman is the best.
0: Yeah, And of course, people have already hopefully heard the Ghostbusters Afterlife episode because this comes out after it.
1: Yeah. So you probably already heard me cry. We both cried in that.
0: We both cried. (laughs) And full disclosure, I almost started to cry just editing it because I'm listening to the emotion that we're both portraying. And you can't you just you get those feelings again. Mm -hmm. So it's just yeah, we both have. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously, it was a big part of both of our lives, and so it's just one of those things where you get emotional about it. Mm-hmm. I get emotional about fiction. It's something that I do on a regular basis.
0: This movie did not make me cry, but it did make me laugh. It didn't. I, I didn't love it.
1: Tear up a little. I didn't. My t- tear up is a little strong. I did get a little emotional when Holzman gives her speech because I definitely just like.
0: Oh, it's yeah. It's very okay. I, relatable. Yeah, I didn't think about that.
1: And it's it's yeah. one of those things where, like, this character has been, you know, kind of the jerk-ass character of the whole movie. And then you get that real moment of, like, oh, my God, I've found a family and I'm connecting. And, like, yeah. I was just like, I don't oh, even
0: know that she's okay. a jerk-ass. Well, jerk-ass I think, is a little I, I mean, strong. Well, maybe but... I think about it. I think it's just is, that's, that's her armor. Right? Yes.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, like, she's a bit of. And I think know, that's listen. why. I love yeah. an asshole. So I don't mind if she's a little bit of an asshole. And I don't think she's over the top mean or anything. She's never cruel. No. She likes to joke around and poke people. So no, I don't know. No, I think she... I
0: think that's 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 her protection because yes. she doesn't feel like she belongs. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's why again, I think probably why both of us are totally attracted to the Altman character. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I that I teared up a little bit, but like that like I said, like in the summary, like I felt that wholeheartedly when she did that because mm-hmm. i I do that on this podcast sometimes, so <laughs> I mean I overshare, so yeah, when you feel comfortable around people and you're not and you've felt outside for so long when you find one person, two people, a group that you feel like you are comfortable like now I'm starting to get upset um well, not upset's the right word, but when you feel comfortable enough around someone to completely be yourself it's kind of amazing and you sometimes will just overshare so yeah it's
1: true and found family is one of my favorite tropes just in everything you know I think it's so great when people like find each other and come together and you know really have that connection you know in fiction and in real life so I just it's one of my favorite things so yeah got me in the heart a little but (laughs) I did not cry at this movie really I just you know I still have emotions about it. <laughs> hmm.
0: Yep. Yep. Tori and I, work through our personal stuff on the podcast all the time. But hey. <laughs> I mean, yep. why yep. else do you <laughs> listen <laughs> if not to hear <laughs>
1: yeah. me sob about cartoon characters that I loved as a child in the 80s? I mean, if nothing else, that is quality yep. content. <laughs>
0: me completely break down during a show that I'm not even particularly sure that I like anymore, but I'm totally touched by characters in it. Yeah, so yeah, know, yeah, hey, yeah. Anyway. Maybe I'll be able to bring some of that. I have, I don't know. I think the hiatus was the best thing that happened to our podcast, honestly.
1: Yeah, I agree, actually, because I, I think it we gave both... some time and some you know, the energy got weird, yeah. and I think that's a good thing. <laughs>
0: How weird. It definitely weird, weird
1: in a good way. In a good way. Yeah.
0: In a good way. So hopefully that we can bring some of that to the X Files as well. And yeah. not just me be angry all the time. <laughs> I was angry a lot. I have not been I don't know that I've actually been angry really since the X Files.
1: Um, <laughs> well I hope it doesn't make some you rants. angry again. <laughs> I've had
0: some rants, but Well
1: sure. Uh, yeah. I, That's understandable. Yeah, but I don't know
0: that I've been angry. So we'll see. This did not make me angry.
1: Well, I'm very glad it did not, because it makes me very happy. And it's one of those things that I just love. I just love it. If I had to be like movies that you need to see to understand me, it'd be like Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters 84, Ghostbusters 2016. And uh, there's got to be another movie in there. I don't know, probably Interview with the Vampire. Those four pretty much sum me up, I think so.
0: <laughs> I, was thinking, I remember when we were talking about we were talking about Ghostbusters at one point, and we were talking about you know the emotional and how it affects, and you were giving the four pillars of your life, <laughs> and you couldn't remember the fourth one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one was the X Files. I was like, oh god, because it was it was Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park, The Vampire Chronicles, and then I'm like, there's a fourth one. What's the fourth yeah. one? And it's like, oh, yeah, the fourth one is the fucking X Files, is the thing this podcast is supposed to be named after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, yeah, that's still uh, true. I would say those are the four biggest media properties that have had the hugest impact on me as a person. Yeah, I
0: don't know that I'd be able to. I guess, I mean, Ghostbusters, Cold Check, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon is my favorite movie of all time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Colcheck is number two. And I've always said, like, beyond one and two, I. Don't know what the rest are. I you. It probably depends on the day.
1: Yeah, so, that's fair. I mean, I Ghostbusters is
0: definitely in there.
1: Yeah, so. there's a hefty dose. Now of Star I gotta Trek think about Trek which Ghostbusters. <laughs> so,
0: but this one is definitely in there now. And so
1: yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we should end this because I need to feed my cats, and I probably should eat something. And I don't know. St- stare okay. at a wall for a while. <laughs>
0: fine Tori
1: <laughs> I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios
0: episode production design and editing is by Lazy End Productions our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz and the truth is what we make of it by The Agrarian Young
1: This is where you can find our X-Files episodes and most of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes, which cover television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like them, tell a friend. We'd love to have them join us.
0: Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we try to figure out...
1: If the the truth truth is still out there. there.
0: Speaking of which, the next thing you guys hear in your ears is going to be some (gasps) X-Files.
1: It's going to be some X-Files.
0: Well, actually, no, I take that back. It's not going to be some (laughs) X-Files. It's going to be vampires.
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) right. Oh, shit. I forgot. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I lied. Not intentionally, but still lied. But yeah, X-Files coming back.